You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for today's show, Kyle Russo. You might be asking yourself, where is Tom Scavetta? Tom is taking the week off this week, but don't worry. He will definitely be on next week. Uh, here with my two co-hosts for tonight's shows, uh, for tonight's show, Fonz DeFalco and James Montefusco. Now you may be looking at my room right now, ladies and gentlemen. You might be saying, Kyle, why are your lights broken or something like that? The answer to that would be no. I've been watching some of our <laughs> Facebook Live videos uh, back over the last couple of weeks. And I've been noticing that my lights within the ceiling have kind of been given a glare on my camera. So I got a little fun thing for the uh, the quarantine edition of my studio here at home. Got a little. Let's see if this works now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, we go. Hey. We're good. We're good. We got a little lighting. We got a little good lighting. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, little color, little vibrant color. Uh, we're going to stick to these colors throughout the show. We're going to be talking about some Knicks. We're going to be talking about some Nets. Uh, be talking with Alec Walt about the Boston Celtics. Uh, going to round it out with the Miami Heat, a uh, little bit of NHL, but we're going to start it off hot with the MLB. Uh, but first, guys, sorry, jumping to conclusions, trying to jump into the show real quick. Guys, how you guys doing today? Excellent. Excellent, Russo. Excellent uh, introduction, really. I love it. And I love the lights. A little bit of an upgrade here. We got, I mean, we're here. We're at home. Can't go anywhere. Might as well make the studio look good. Exactly. Right? Exactly. All right, guys. So we're going to jump into it right now. Um, some news going on throughout the MLB. It's kind of been a quiet couple months, nothing much going on as spring training has been delayed. The season has been uh, delayed as well, postponed as well. But some recent news coming out of the MLB. So the MLB, obviously the season is going to be shortened in some sense. The MLB has proposed to the players themselves uh, a new, I guess you'd say, agreement in which the players agree to uh, an 82-game season in which they lose a massive chunk of their salary. So let's say a $35 million a year player, now under the new proposal in which the MLB has stated, that player would then be earning only $7 million on the year. A player, Another example, for instance, a player making a million dollars would only be making around 400000 for the season. So guys, before I get into what the Players Association had as a rebuttal uh, for the league and what they uh, gave to these players to look at and to agree to. What was your guys' initial opinion of this? Well, for, um, well oh, you go, you go first, James, on that one. You go for that. So, to be honest, I'm like, in some ways, it's like, all right, it makes sense. They're not playing a full season starting in late March, early April, and going all the way to possibly late October or September, depending on where you fall. Um, I, In all honesty, I think there should be a cut because they aren't pay- playing their full season. Like, in any, like, pretty much, I mean, this impacted me. It's like, I'm not working. I'm not getting paid, in a sense, from yeah. my uh, employer. So, in that way, I'm like, well, then these guys should take some type of cut. I mean, a lot of these guys make a lot of money, you know. They obviously deserve it because they're the players. They know what they're doing, right? Yeah. Um, but to that extreme, that's that you know, for some some players, that's a lot of money. You know, if you sign a contract one year, one million dollars, you know, just starting out, 
and then they cut it down to four four hundred thousand dollars you know that's a big impact but a lot of the other teams for like a lot of the other teams and players may not be able to support their high high play high paid players you know what i'm saying like the Mets, yeah, the Yankees, yeah. all big cities can easily do that because they can make up that revenue, no problem, next season, what have you. But for some smaller cities, it's going to be a little difficult if they're still paying those guys, you know, $37 million and they aren't able to recoup that money. But I think that cut on the players and like how unhappy they are, I, I see it because that's a big that's a big chunk of money they lost. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm in the middle because I'm also with you, James, also. I mean, if they were playing the 162 games and, like, cramming it all in, then I would be like, yeah, they should, you know, pay a regular salary. But they're cutting it down. Obviously, you can't realistically do 162 games starting, like, say, now to when the regular season ends because then right back – you have to go right back into the next season. But then it's also, like, it, it's really a complicated situation because you are in certain – like you said, New York – they can miss so many games and they can still make a good profit because you're in the New York teams. Same thing with like the LA teams. Um, you can make arm for the Florida teams or Texas teams. Then you go to the smaller markets uh, like Milwaukee or uh, Arizona, just naming a few, then that's when it gets a little complicated. So like, I'm like back and forth because like, you know, you got to pay the players no matter what, but then I'm also thinking from the business side, like if there's not a lot of games, like not as many as what they want and you got to cut, you got to cut the money here. I mean, that's, I mean, we see a comment here. Brian Ken says uh, to cut the money on that one too. So yeah, that's what I'm like in the I'm like in the middle with it, where it's like I'm on the player side, but it's also like realistically, realistically, you can't give him a full, you can't give Trout his huge salary if he's only playing sixty games or whatever, as opposed to the one sixty two. That's just me. And the, Russo, not to cut you off before you reach that, but it's also like the people that work in the organization of some of those teams. You know, like some of the engineers or something. They might have lost their job because of this and you know like uh the one of the dodgers players i don't know if you guys know this david uh, price david yeah david price, price he's mm-hmm. giving a thousand dollars to every minor league player for the month of june yeah. out of his salary or contract or whatever money he has which is mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. like you should honestly we should see other guys step up because there might be minor league players that get cut or might not have a job after the season that play in so, yeah, no, James, you, you actually brought up a great point. This happened earlier on in the day, I think even a couple of hours ago. Um, I forgot to add to the script, but thousands upon thousands of minor league players are being let go because the team just cannot afford to keep them on and keep them on the books. And that's something that's a it's a it's a scary sight if you're a new up and coming MLB player, because here this was your chance. You know, a, a guy at the triple A. Uh, point in his career is now potentially losing his job because of uh, the effects of the coronavirus, and he may not get another baseball opportunity for a very long time, let alone with the organization that he came from, but maybe never at all. And that's definitely a scary, scary thought. David Price, I think, is one of the few players um, who's obviously uh, taking a good stance, a good initiative to get involved and try to, I guess you'd say, do the right thing considering he has, over the course of his career, especially within the last couple of years, you know, getting that massive contract from Boston, now being with the Dodgers, uh, he has a lot of money to throw around. So uh, $1,000 to some of the minor league players is a great, 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 great uh, direction um, for players really showing love and care uh, towards others, not necessarily in that financial standpoint where they could do that. Um, 
But guys, my personal opinion is, I think I'm along the same lines of, as you guys as well, kind of in between. I understand the fact that the season is cut in half. I, I am in c- complete understanding of that. I just don't get. If the season is being cut in half, at least in my mind, that means to me, cut the salary in half. If a guy's making 35 mil, give him, what is that, 17 and a half? Give him 17 and a half. Yeah. To like go that. from 35 million to $7 million, I understand. Listen, $7 million, that sets you up for life. That sets your kids up for life. There's no doubt. You don't have to ever play a game of baseball again. But $28 million to lose on, having nothing to do with you, having nothing to do upon your actions, and for the owners to get involved and for the uh, MLB, organ- uh, MLB as a whole, the league involved to be okay with even proposing something of that magnitude, at least in my opinion, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, to ask somebody, listen, it's one thing to ask somebody to cut your salary in half or just take a small portion out, but now you're playing with somebody else's money. Mm-hmm. You're asking somebody to take a major, major, like this isn't a small cut, guys. This is something oh. huge. This yeah. is a lot of money to be left out of. You know, I'm looking at the list, uh, a couple of sports pages that I follow on Instagram. Uh, they're breaking down, obviously, some of the bigger name contracts. Uh, throughout the league, Trout making 37, Harper, I think, making around 35, Nolan Arenado making around 35, 36, and these guys dropping the single-digit million numbers, and obviously millions is millions of dollars, guys. Don't get me wrong. Millions is everything to us, and millions is everything to everybody. But to know what you're losing out on and to know that, at, at least to my understanding at this point in time, my thing for the MLB, what they should have done is if they were going to do this, then this salary should be made up throughout the rest of your tenure within the organization. If you sign a five-year, for instance, Garrett Cole, right? Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole signed a nine-year deal, and I think it breaks down to around $34, $35 million a year. Yeah. If Garrett Cole is losing $28 million a year, and he's here with the Yankees for the next nine years, in the reworked contract or within the proposal, it should be put in play that the $28 million that you're losing out on this season will then be given to you over the course of your contract. As far as I'm concerned, that's not what's being told. It's being told that you're making 35 this year, or at least supposed to, but you're only getting a max of seven. And at least in my personal opinion, that's not right. But guys, we're going to jump in to what the MLB players had to actually say upon these actions taking place by the MLB themselves. So this is what really stood out to me specifically. Um, Max Scherzer, uh, well-renowned pitcher, one of the best pitchers that the game has ever seen, uh, quiet guy, humble guy, you know, he speaks up. So it shows the magnitude. It's not one of these players that we've seen uh, that has been selfish in the past, that has been very outspoken in a place and time that doesn't need to be outspoken about. But Max Scherzer stated that there is no reason to engage with the MLB in any further compensation reductions. He also stated the players have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries, and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information the union has received. I'm in complete agreement with them. I'm in complete agreement with them. I understand what's going on around the world. I understand that to a full extent. People are losing their jobs, and we're looking upon millions and millions of dollars. But you're touching somebody else's money. It's not it, – it, who, who gives you the right to break the contract that you gave to me? Mm-hmm. That, that's, my, that's just my personal opinion. But this is what the players had to say, guys. This is what the players had to say. So the players are now looking to do a counter argument in which they rebut the first 
Um, first initial proposal, the MLB. And with this new proposal, instead of 82 games, it is, I believe, 110 games. Yeah. But, it, now, it, going, so. but now going back to the initial prorated salaries, which Max, uh, Max Scherzer was talking about, and which was the initial agreement upon salaries going into the season, because the prorated salaries were already cutting the initial salaries a little bit as well. And then to have an initial another proposal in which you cut it even more, at least in my personal opinion, is a little too much. I like this proposal by the players. I think this is good. You know, I think it gets the best of both worlds, at least in my perspective as a fan. You're getting, what is that? That comes out to around 30 more games, yeah. which maybe, you know, in my mind, you know, with everything going on in the world, people are questioned an 82-game season or even a 60-game season or a 100-game season, whatever it is, for the MLB. Whoever wins the World Series that year is going to have an asterisk next to it. At the end of the day, my personal opinion is no. I think you should look to get the fullest extent of the season. And through all this time and heartache, to come out victorious in a situation like this, I think it should make the championship even more sweeter. But that's just my personal opinion. Definitely well, agree. If you look... Oh, I was just saying, like you put like the asterisk next to the uh, the World Series uh, champion for this year. I mean, we don't do that for the NBA. When after the lockout season with the Miami Heat in 2012, I believe it was, there was a shortened season. Yeah, we didn't. We that's LeBron's first championship. We're not out here saying that one really doesn't count because it was a shortened season. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's so it's also the fact like Tommy McNamara brings up. You know, it's trying to figure out billionaires fighting with millionaires over money. Um, you know, that, that he brings up a great point because a lot of like Russo, we touched upon earlier, like a big city team, like New York, LA, Texas, compared to a smaller team, like, uh, I don't know, I'm just throwing one out there, the twins or something, you know, they may not be able to make that money up. So yeah, it's, it's fighting between billionaires and millionaires, but also it comes down to this, the longer they prolong this back and forth. Oh, I want this. I want less the players associations, the GMs, the CEOs, whoever, you know, in these organizations, the longer you prolong this, the longer without baseball, because you think about it, you now have to restart spring training. Some of these guys like Dom Smith, for example, on the Mets has already been working out. He's been keeping up his workout routine. I saw, um, you know, but then there's some other guys that were like, oh, I got a few months off. I might as well just, you know, hang out, relax, et cetera. Um, but there's all, they, they also need to come to a decision because you look, we'll touch on this later in the show, but you look at it, the NBA, the NHL have all figured something out, a plan to move forward with the rest of their season. Yes, MLB needs to start. It's different because MLB didn't start when this all came up. Yeah. Um, but they need to kind of fast track this and get some type of understanding on both parties in order if they do want to play that 110 games because you look at it now either MLB isn't going to happen or it's just going to go all the way to November December where then it's their off season and then you're also playing in cold weather in New York in some states obviously you can't yeah. be playing in that type of weather yeah no that James is a great point um and John Suggs actually commented uh, on our Facebook live stream, uh, John stated, uh, that's why a lot of players want guaranteed money. How do you think this will affect teams in the future? John, I actually responded to you in the chat itself with my own personal account. Um, players will definitely have some more guaranteed money in the future. You know, yeah, obviously yeah. nobody could ever predict something like this to ever happen. And, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, 
uh, we ever personally experienced something like this again in our lifetime. But this is definitely something to factor in because it shows that at the end of the day, Tommy, again, a uh, great point, billionaires fighting with millionaires. And at the end of the day, it comes to a hierarchy stance. And bottom line is the people in the MLB run the league. The owners themselves, they run the league. It's not the players. The players yeah. have very, very little say because if they did, something like this would have never even been proposed. Because at least in my personal opinion, no matter how much you love the game, no matter how much you want to get back to playing, to lose that much money and be okay with it, I just don't see a lot of players being okay with that, especially some of these younger guys where this contract is a make or break for them. They need this money. You know, a million dollars to 400K, 400K is still a lot. That's a lot of money to lose, though. And that's a yeah. lot of money for the organization themselves yeah. because this is upon owner's agreement as well. This is a lot for owners to be showing their own players within their own organization that even during a time like this, they're not willing to commit to their own contract given to these players. You know, you shouldn't be – you're trying to get the season on track. You should not be angering the players. I'm not saying you got to make everything easy. But if you're trying to make something fair, you have to have some understanding that, at least in anybody that I know, this is not a fair agreement, at least in my personal opinion, when it comes to money. When it comes to money, I don't think this is anywhere close to being a fair agreement. And I could be wrong. You know, that's my opinion. And I take full responsibility for that opinion. But, and here's another point, guys, I want to bring up. And, and this is something that's not talked about because we want to look more towards the positivity of what can happen in the future as we see the ball rolling for the first time, especially in the MLB, um, where it's been kind of on a, uh, not decline, but kind of on the back burner uh, for the past couple months. Do you guys even think that there's going to be an MLB season? Realistically, is there is there even? We're not talking about with fans, but is there just, even going to be a season? Just in general, I I think so. I mean, this. I mean, if you asked me a couple of months ago, I've been like probably not. But I feel like the contracts are. I mean, they might be at a standstill now, but I think you know, as the weeks or the days go on, maybe the weeks too, we'll eventually see some sort of a shortened season. And I mean, it may be a factor, but if you see like the NHL, which we'll talk about later, is getting their playoffs started up. The NBA is getting close to somewhat of a return. And of course, you have the NFL. If they see the other leagues kind of getting out there and getting started and getting ready to go, it's going to probably push a lot of the guys in the be like, all right, you know what? You know, we got to play this season too. We got to make uh, our money no matter what at this point. I think it's going to take a little bit, but maybe at the last possible second, we'll probably see a, a chance that the 2020 season will actually happen. To, to be honest with you, Russo, at this point in time, I was actually talking to Kyle Earhart the other day about this, um, and we were talking that there might, honestly, we're probably not seeing a 2020 MLB season, um, just because it's already now, we'll skip to June, because it's already the 29th of May, uh, May ends, what, Sunday? Yeah, yeah, May ends Sunday. You look at June 1st is now next Monday. You still don't have a contract and deal. I haven't heard any new negotiations. You say this, if this does get resolved, say this is mid-June, yeah. then you have to restart spring training, right? They re-spring training for two weeks, right? And yep. then all of a sudden they have two weeks of spring training. And then you're looking July 4th. You're already looking mid-July. Yeah. How are you fitting 110 games into that? 
in cities that get cold by mid-October to late-October. No, James, it's 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 a great and you valid point. It's a like, great and valid point. But, again, that that stance is, you know, if the MLB was to get this stuff together, you know, by mid-June, you know, coming to an agreement by mid-June, we're starting spring training mid-June. I don't even see a spring training potentially starting till early July, maybe in mid-July. And, well, you know, and, that's, and that's another consideration you have to think of because that's a great point, Russo, you brought up because if that happens mid-July, season doesn't start till August. Yeah. No, and yeah, if, and, that, and that doesn't mean that – that means depending on what they choose to go with, 82 games, that could probably wind up being November. maybe a three-month season, three-month season. So that would put us at around October, November, and then the playoffs would be in December. Or something like that. And nope. that eats into their off season, you know? So yep. honestly, MLB has a lot of things going on. They got their hands full. Yep. Um, in many different ways that I, I I mean, I've looked forward to whatever this outcome is. I know us here and Tom would love to see baseball back this season. I'm sure with many other fans, casual fans, diehard fans. Um, but man, it's it's gonna be an interesting talk with the league and the players association. My thing, guys, is, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I just, I just don't see it happening. And because it's, it's one reason and one reason only, and we're going back to the contracts again. We know this personally because we've all been to games before. There's nothing like being at a baseball game itself. To now watch a baseball game on TV, it gets, it gets a little boring. Now when you're making your stars unhappy, the ball's in their court. They can make the decision themselves to sit out. And they could do that because they have the power. And that could immediately affect the franchise and the revenue and intake in which they have. The problem is, is that it's so beyond middle ground with this initial agreement by the MLB. By the time that they come to something even close, I think it might be potentially over. And their window of time and opportunity to be playing might be completely closed. I just don't see it because, James, again, you brought up a great point that you have a season potentially going into December, maybe even next January, which let alone for some of these teams that are some of the best teams in the league. You know, we're looking at the Mets are on the rise. We're looking at the Yankees on the rise. You know, you can play football in the snow. You can't play baseball in the snow. Yeah, no, you're going to have a lot of of potential delays or even like canceling games and double – if they, if they did the, if they played it up to December, we'll probably see even triple headers too, just to yeah. have a bunch of games into no, it's, it's like a yeah. serious thing you have to think yeah. about too. No, yeah, you know, especially in New York and right. New York in December, or uh, well, I mean that's all I'm really thinking off the top of my head, but yeah, like places like that, um, Minnesota, even though they kind of they play in a, a dome, so it doesn't really matter. Chicago, like, Chicago, Chicago yeah, Chicago, Chicago in December, or that would be really rough. Yeah, you know, so they really need to figure this out honestly because. Doesn't look good, in my opinion. Yep. You guys are absolutely right. And one last point to just add on to this before we move into our next segment. Actually, a really good conversation, guys. 25 minutes going strong. But on top of that, it's just that these players are investments uh, with the owners. And they want to be there long term. They want them to be healthy and play for a long time. When you're cutting your time of relaxation in half, even though you've had this time, you need that time off as a baseball player when you're playing as many games as you're playing. Granted, they're not playing as many games. But then right around the corner, you know, you end the season off in January, December. You got to go right back to spring training. Your body's got to get ready in April. 
That's a lot. That's a lot to only have a three-month, four-month recovery period. But we'll see what happens, guys. You know, you, you hope for the best, and uh, and we'll keep hoping. We'll keep hoping. Yeah. All right, guys. That was a good segment. Now we're going to jump into some basketball. Guys, we haven't talked about basketball in a minute on this show. So we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about some New York Knicks. We got the blue. <laughs> we got the blue. All right. All right, guys. So why are we starting with the Knicks? Been a while since we talked some hoops. Oh man, I'm yeah, we talked some hoops. One. So it's some good stuff. Let me get. Let me see if I can get a little bit of a lighter blue because this is a little bit dark. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I saw the. <laughs> okay. Presentation okay, is key. Presentation that's good. Is key. That's good. That's good. All right. So <laughs> with the Knicks, guys, obviously basketball has been on a halt for a long time now. Since March 16th, I believe the date was was when the last NBA game was played. But we're also getting yeah. some traction upon the NBA as well. A lot better than the MLB. Oh, yeah. A lot better than the MLB. <laughs> mm-hmm. But with the Knicks specifically, the Knicks stand right now at a 21-45 and 45 record. They sit 12th in the East. Not much to hold high hopes on potentially for a season, even to resume. <laughs> but some good news, Fonz. Some good news as a Knicks fan. And I don't know how you take this. I don't know <laughs> how you take this, so I'm going to leave it up to you. Mm-hmm. But Tom Thibodeau looks like the favorite to be the next head coach of the New York Knicks. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. But I feel like in this case, you know, I look at the question that I imposed upon this script and upon you guys, and I might have worded it the wrong way, saying, is it the smart move or is it the best move? I think in this case scenario, it's the safest move for this New mm-hmm. York Knicks team. I think it's the safest move. But Fonz, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it over to you. I definitely agree. I was going to go more of the safe route because in this kind of situation – Usually I'm a pro, I'm more for like maybe bringing like for a young team like the Knicks like an assistant coach to kind of grow with the team. Yeah. But in this situation, you know, the season's been you know off for a while. Get some of an established coach like uh, like Thibodeau. He did very well for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it was in the early 2010s. Derek Rose he coached Rose in that MVP season, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, like so. Joe Kim Noah and Carlos. Like it was a, they were a solid team. Lou Waldang also. Uh, never won a title, but they were very consistent in the playoffs. And if Rose wasn't hurt, I mean, it'd be a completely different conversation. I think, I think Russo here left the uh, the stream here, but we'll get we'll get him back in here in a little bit. But um, yeah, right, technical difficulties, but we're still here. We're still going <laughs> strong. But uh, I'll say this: I think Russo's back now. Russo, I don't know what there? just happened. I don't know. Are you good? I'm good. You're I'm good. good. All right. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> so I was saying that they they never won a title, but they're always consistent in the playoffs. I like Thibodeau a lot. He's a very good coach, well-respected in the league. Uh, I believe he was also assistant coach for Team USA for a couple of seasons, or a couple so. of times. Yeah. So he works well with veteran players, can work with some of the young guys too. The one problem I think a lot of people talk about is that he kind of runs his players to the ground. Like Luol Dang was averaging 40-plus minutes for three seasons straight. And there was a reasoning that, you know, maybe that was also why Derek Rose was kind of like they rushed him back or when he they played him too much to the point where he got hurt, where he had like a little bit of knee trouble too. Yeah, so I'm on the. It's a smart move because he's a veteran coach and he has helped you know franchises win, and it kind of helps with the situation with the Knicks. But I'm concerned because you could run guys like RJ Barrett, and Mitch Robinson, uh, Frank Nielakita, maybe to the ground a little. But he is also defensive minded. I think guys like Frank and Mitch, especially, are defensive style players. I think it'll definitely help him. So it's a safe move, but I am a little concerned because of the history that we saw that he kind of does wear players out a little bit. Now, Fonz, let alone with his experience with the Chicago Bulls, because that's obviously where he had his longest tenure as a uh, head coach in the NBA, but his most recent tenure with the Minnesota Timberwolves, which was very um, short-lived. 
Yeah. It was very short lived. And I was going to ask you personally, you know, having that kind of stance where it seemed like the players in which he brought in almost in a sense turned against them. You know, you, you saw that Jimmy wasn't able to get along with Carl Anthony Towns in a sense. Um, and that kind of broke up the whole team itself. Jimmy Butler getting mad upon uh, Andrew Wiggins getting a contract before him. Uh, what else? Uh, just the Jimmy Butler trade in general. I think right? it was the Jimmy Butler situation. Yeah. But the guy that he that was another guy too. He had in the Bulls. The guy that he brought in, he, yeah. he like groomed a little bit to make into a star player too. Yeah, yeah. The Minnesota thing could be a little bit of a hurt thing too. But that was also a situation where you know they already had a lot of veteran guys, and you know they already had to establish somewhat of a team with Wiggins, Towns, and a couple of other players too. And then he just brings in Butler to kind of add it in there. So there might have been a little bit of a friction with chemistry wise and stuff. I think with the Knicks, it's a lot more younger players. So I think there's not there's not going to be a lot of those those veteran guys that like have had a certain play style for so long. So Thibodeau can kind of go in there, maybe bring a guy or two, but I think it'd be a little bit of a different situation. I think I'm looking more towards the Bulls tenure than the Timberwolves because that was kind of a little bit of a messy situation. No, I would have to agree. Um, just bringing up obviously one of his most recent tenures as a head coach in the NBA, but I think that Thibodeau would be the safest move, and yeah. I think that it's the safest move because personally, it's the Knicks. Best option at this point. I had mm-hmm. the I had the opportunity to speak with Mark Berman, uh, New York Post writer for the New York Knicks, um, a couple weeks ago, and I, I was speaking to him about it. And I said, you know, is there any possibility in which you could see? Because you've obviously seen some tension within the Houston area. Mike D'Antoni is up for a contract. Could you potentially see Mike D'Antoni coming back to New York? Uh, that's a yeah. I would not mind it because I mean he. This the Knicks D'Antoni era was it was entertaining to say the least. They had a lot of uh, solid players. They didn't win a lot, but I think when you saw kind of what he did in Houston, he kind of brought his brought his own system. He a lot of the players kind of worked in that system. So maybe if D'Antoni does potentially go there, he would have to kind of bring his own guys or kind of cut out some few guys in the roster here and there. I know John Suggs. I posted the comment here. Kenny Atkinson probably be the next head head coach. That wouldn't be a horrible option too. I thought the Nets shouldn't have. Uh, fired him to begin with. Yeah. I thought he was a. I thought he was a very excellent coach. I was when I saw him, he got fired. I was very shocked to it. He wouldn't be bad too on the next. I think Thibodeau is number one for me, and then Atkinson's definitely a solid number two. D'Antoni, unrealistically, I don't see it, especially maybe because the way he kind of left New York too. I think it was. I don't know if it was a firing during the season or after a season. I'm, I'm not too sure off the top of my head, but I would say I think because he already had one tenure there, and it wasn't really a successful. I don't see them really bringing him back. No, I got a question for both of you. Why, uh, Russo, you said one of the coaches is a safe option to go. Yeah. Um, you guys are talking about former coaches that did coach the, the Knicks in the past. Um, now, me, not a big NBA fan, big Knicks fan, what have you. Why would you guys want to have somebody back that was already your coach that might have not had a very successful 10-year here and then, like, are you guys more like trying to hopefully they rebuild, they move on, you guys get a better coach, like a- attract a better coaching staffing, yeah. or is it more just like this is what will suffice for now? Hopefully, they can work some magic with their players and mm-hmm. stuff. I think I'll answer this first, Russo. Um, what you said, I would be okay if they brought back Dean Tony if he had a successful run there. Now he didn't. 
but also the Knicks have this sort of the same management since D'Antoni left the team. So that's why I don't, I am not for that's bringing it back. If they had a new, like new general manager, owner, or if they had a new staff, then I'd be like, yeah, let's bring D'Antoni back and let's let's try it again. It's a new system, a uh, new personnel and whatever, but it's the same personnel since the last time he was there. So that's why I'm like, let's not bring him back just yet. So I'm not really all for bringing back coaches unless there's a new, because there's a reason why they left in the first place. Yeah. You have to remember well, that's that. why I bring it up because, mm-hmm. you know, you see a lot of MLB teams, you know, NHL, they really aren't bringing back former coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, once they leave, unless they were great and they left for other reasons. Yeah, they um, retired but, and came back and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. But to, to see the Knicks on, not to put them down, but like how dysfunctional they are at times. Oh, they're putting them down. They are dysfunctional. You know, <laughs> um, to, to, to have you to have two guys talk about it, um, and I'm sure other Knicks fans probably have talked about this, but to have them be like, bring back former coaches, in my eyes, coming from an outside perspective, it just confuses me. Like, if they weren't good to begin with when they were here, like if I was the GM, CEO, whatever, I wouldn't want them back in my organization. The Knicks are just a dysfunctional team, so yeah, I mean, well, that's all I can say. The only that. thing, the only thing, James, at least in my personal opinion, why the question of D'Antoni even being brought back was because he, you know, this past decade, you know, you look at it. The most successful years was when Mike D'Antoni was there. When he was there, that's when the team had some of its most success. The only reason why I wouldn't bring him back, Fonz alluded to, is because the one thing that has not changed is basically the management that would be hiring him back. Mm-hmm. And the same reasons why uh, – did he, Fonz, did he get fired or did he take, just, did he just take the job in Houston? I don't. I, I gotta double check on that when he exactly got fired. I'm gonna double check that right now. I'll, I'll get. I will definitely get back to you on that one because I really. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Well, anyway, fired or just took a better team or a bigger contract or a new place, new environment. He left or got fired because it wasn't what he wanted necessarily in a team, or he didn't necessarily have the players there. You know, that's a that's a big aspect that a lot of people don't look about look at. You know, there's very few coaches in this league, or let alone a lot of leagues, where I could really say, you know, that coach is the reason for that success within that team. You know, you look at one of the greatest coaches of all time, you know, whenever he retires, he will be in the NBA Hall of Fame, Greg Popovich. You look at the years and years and years of success that he has had within the Spurs organization, the, the respect that he has gained is because of what he's been able to bring the best out of players, championship mentality. And one of the biggest things that I think we see seen today, which a lot of teams struggle with within their own players, is that this is an organization where aside from the Kawhi Leonard stuff, which was recent and very short-lived because they moved on from it very quickly, yeah, the Spurs are basically a spotless organization when it comes to uh, marks and anything diminished because that's how they've run it. That's how Greg Popovich has allowed it to be. You've seen some of his, um, some of the, the players in which he's obviously groomed and will be Hall of Famers one day. Tim Duncan, Mono Ginobili, uh, Tony Parker. Uh, you see Kenny Atkinson, who was former Brooklyn Nets coach. That was that was a member of Greg Popovich's bench for the longest time as assistant coaches. Yeah, and he yeah. got a starting NBA head coaching job, and probably will get another job as well. But when it comes to the Knicks organization or just uh, organizations in general, the players that you have on the team 
means so much more. We all know that, especially in the NBA, let alone other leagues, is that if you don't have at least one, if not two stars, you will not succeed. You just, you just can't. There's too many teams in the league. You run down the East, you run down the West. If the season was to end today, you look at those eight teams from each conference, and you could probably name former All-Stars, current All-Stars, future Hall of Famers, greatest players in the league at the moment, whatever you want to say. You look at the teams that are not in that category that we're talking about, it's those teams that don't have the stars. The, one, uh, the, the few teams that I could think of that really have the stars that are just not putting the pieces together, maybe a Bradley Beal in Washington, but let alone that's ne- necessarily him by himself. Uh, the Suns with Devin Booker, and I don't think the Suns have, since he's been there, I don't think they've been better than an 11th seed or 10th seed to finish off the season in the West. They've never made the playoffs. Yeah. But that's what we're talking about. Unless you have extreme dysfunction within your organization, you know, you need stars. And that's something that the Knicks didn't necessarily have. They didn't have that. And when they did, it was because of teams like the Indiana Pacers at the time, back in the early uh, 2000, 2013, 2012, where Paul George, Roy Hibbert, David West, uh, George Hill, where Lance Stevenson, they were taken over with uh, the guys from South Beach, LeBron, Chris Bosh, D. Wade, and the, and the stars that they were forming. They just couldn't crack that barrier to the Eastern Conference Championship. And then once those squads broke up, you know, there was a real light for the Knicks to succeed. You know, people talk about the Garden in a whole different aura. You know, free agency hits and the Knicks always have a chance because it's the Mecca. It's the Garden. But in my personal opinion, that aura has been tarnished. And that's why when I say pick Tom Thibodeau because he's the safe option, it's because players will want to play for a guy. Fonz, I get what you're saying. You know, you can take it as two ways. But I feel like Jimmy Butler, a player especially, the reason why he is the player he is today because of a coach in Tom Thibodeau. Because this was a guy that was drafted late in the first round out of Marquette, strictly defensive-minded guy. He's an all-star now making a max contract. He's an unbelievable player, one of the best two-way players in the league. I think that, at least on my list, he might be the third best two-way player in the NBA, only behind a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George. I think he's right there because his offensive scoring ability has increased tremendously. His clutchness is at a whole nother level, and his defense is still there. But I think that Thibodeau is the safe option because you look at the last decade, and guys, they just have not been successful. And now John Suggs rolling in with the tweets. I actually brought up a good – had a good question on here for you guys, which I want to bring up as well. You know, Mike Miller, even though the, the wins aren't there, again, the wins aren't there not because of what he's doing. The wins aren't there because the Knicks don't have the players. You know, when mm-hmm. you're relying on R.J. Barrett for 40-plus minutes a game, you're not going to succeed, especially when the guy has consistently throughout the season gone down shooting percentage-wise. We really He started off hot and has gone down consistently, and he has no real supporting cast around him to help him succeed. It's not upon what Mike Miller is doing. I think, in my personal opinion, players have been very outspoken about my, Mike Miller. One that sticks yeah. out to me, probably one of the best players that are on the Knicks right now, and Julius Randle, he's had nothing but nice words to speak about Mike Mullen. And he's in f- full support of Mike Miller being the head coach, at least, you know, where we last left off with in March. Yeah. There's no problem with Mike Miller being the head coach next season. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm in complete agreement with that. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be opposed because, like you said, a lot of players do uh, like him. I mean, he's been, the wins obviously haven't transitioned, but I mean, when you, 
the wins will come as long as the players are happy, like they're together in a nice rotation. Eventually, it will it will get going. Uh, with this situation, with the NBA not happening for a while, and we kind of you know didn't get to play it out, I wouldn't be opposed to them even letting Mike Miller be the the new coach heading into the season, just for no more another test one with the full season, a full off season. Maybe give give him a chance to draft a player, or whatever, to see what he can work with, and then if it doesn't work out, then you can move on to the next one because it's kind of an excuse where you use this opportunity where hey, listen, there was no season for a good chunk of the year. We didn't really get to scout any other potential options or replacements. The guys like Mike Miller before the season ended, and you know, we if if they do the proposal where they kind of go right to the playoffs, obviously the Knicks won't be there. Give Mike Miller a shot, a full season, full off season. We'll see where it goes from there. So I wouldn't be too opposed if Mike Miller comes back as the head coach for the team. Now, guys, quickly two more points that I want to bring up before we uh, move on, obviously, uh, to the other New York basketball team, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. The better basketball team in New York? The better basketball team at the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll admit Unfortunately. That little, little sly <laughs> comment in there. But um, another acquisition that the Knicks have made, which is, Fonz, again, I want to get your opinion on this. I don't know necessarily how you feel about it, but mm-hmm. the acquisition of Leon Rose, now being within your organization, has had you know some of the biggest names in the sport underneath his belt as agents and clients himself, like a Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Carmelo Anthony, and a Dwayne Wade. Now, do you think, you know, and this was a big part of it as well when the Knicks brought in Phil Jackson because they thought that <sighs> Phil Jackson was going to be the savior. He was going to bring in everybody to win a championship. The Knicks were going to, the Knicks were going to be the next dynasty team. I'm not saying Leon Rose is going to be that, but do you think that at least Leon Rose being in the presence, having the Knicks organization as part of his title now, do you think that him being there now becomes, uh, I guess you'd say, bring the aura back, bring the presence back, have the Mecca mean, mean, have some meaning at least uh, for the last 20 years, which I, I don't think that it has. Do you yeah. think that he could bring in some of these star caliber players? It's a way different ball game when you're a president of a team and when you're part of a team. It's a way different ball. I know I you showed me the list. I see it here. Like you said, Booker, Towns, Chris Paul, and then uh, Carmelo Anthony, obviously Dwayne Wade, former NBA player. He has the connections with players. He knows he can probably get bringing a lot more, but it's a different ball game when you're the president and when you're working for an organization. And it's different when you also have to answer – to guys like James Dolan, the owner of the team, who's yeah. been very critical. Well, everyone's been, well, I think everybody's been pretty much critical of this guy that he's doing all these crazy things and there's it's not transitioning to wins. I like the Leon Rose hire. I think he'll do a good job. I just don't want it to be the thing where I thought Phil Jackson was going to bring this team back to relevancy. I'm not I'm not going to fall for it a second time. You know, I want to see what Rose does in his first kind of full season, his first offseason to see what he can do from there. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm Hopeful, but I'm not going to go out here and be like, yes, love is higher. Boom, he's going to bring Booker and Towns, uh, everybody, uh, like Michael Jordan, prime Michael Jordan. He's going to bring everybody in here. It's not because I got to wait. I got to see what happens. But before we go on to the next point, I want to just want to tell everybody here. So D'Antoni actually resigned as coach in the middle of the 2011-2012 season because he clashed with Carmelo Anthony. He left oh, for wow. the Lakers job, got fired after two years, and then went to the 76 as an assistant, and then 2016 was the Rockets coach. So just to clarify – he had a little bit of a couple stops between New York and Houston. Oh, wow. I don't even remember him resigning. Uh, and obviously, you know. I don't remember his Lakers tenure at all. That's, that's when they had, yeah. that's, they had the Dwight Howard, Steve Nash dead lineup with Kobe well, that, and uh, Powell. That explains, comes into play why uh, Melo's tenure in uh, Houston didn't last that long either as exactly. well. Mm-hmm. But um, last point before we round out the Knicks, guys. Um, 
the draft. You know, it's supposed to happen in June, not going to happen in June because we don't even have the lottery yet. So we don't yeah. know. <laughs> what if the season was if the season was to end today, the Knicks would be right now the sixth worst team in the league. And obviously with the changes in how the draft lottery works, there's no guarantee that the Knicks would get that sixth spot, but they can fluctuate between the top 10 and obviously, you know, the top 3. They can potentially win the draft. Potentially. But let alone, let's forget about the numbers. Let's forget about the numbers. Uh, bring a little college basketball into it. I don't know how much you guys have really followed it necessarily um, throughout the course of the season. Obviously, you know, the college stars, their names get um, known when you have the NCAA tournament, the March Madness. We really didn't, we didn't have that this year. Yeah, but yeah. for the Knicks, who is their ideal fit? You know, I've been hearing reports left and right if he's there. LaMelo Ball is the guy. Yeah. He's oh, the yeah. guy. Yep. I I do like LaMelo Ball. Obviously, I think he's probably one of the better of the Ball brothers, in my opinion, uh, just from what I've seen. Uh, he's a very good player. It's just a lot of unknown because he did play in, I think it was Australia, instead yes. of going to college, yep. it was Australia. It's a different ball game, international ball, but he is very talented. Don't get me wrong. He's a young, he's a young guy, much like another person I'm going to mention. I think... Cole Anthony would be yes. a good fit. A, I think a better fit. Um, he's a defensive-minded minded guard, too, that can also bring up the ball nicely and run the offense. Him and R.J. Brown would be a very good backcourt. That would be a very yeah. – be a consistent backcourt. Yeah. And if you bring in maybe a guy like Tom Thibodeau, you know, a defensive-minded point guard with defensive-minded coach, that's a perfect match right there. That's just who I'm thinking. Cole Anthony is definitely number one on my list, but I wouldn't be opposed to having LaMelo Ball there because he would bring – the star power because, you know, people know the Ball brothers. People know who LaMelo Ball is on top of the whole Ball family. And you know what? I would – if the Knicks are going to keep losing, I wouldn't mind seeing LeVar Ball and James Dolan on the on the sidelines <laughs> arguing back died. and forth. I would totally – I would just pay money to go to a game just to see that. To be <laughs> Neg- Negotiating the contract, uh, LeVar, you're going to be the next coach. No, you're yes. Coach. I would be – listen, it's better than what we have now. Honestly, I would be – I'll be all for it. Fonz, no. you actually, Russo, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, no, Fonz, no, you, bring no. up, you bring up a good point by just naming those two guys because people will then pay to see the Wall brothers. Well, yes. one of the brothers. I, yes. I, you, I, you know totally what I'm saying? Would. Like, if, yes, people are going to always go to MSG, watch the Knicks, watch the Rangers because it's the world's greatest arena. We've all been there in some capacity, I'm sure, you know, whether it be uh, basketball, hockey, or college basketball. Um, but I think by getting Fonzie to the Ball Brothers or um, short-term memory loss, I'm blanking on your the other guy you mentioned. Paul Anthony. Anthony. Yep, Paul Anthony. Thank you. Um, you know, just get fans into the stadium too. Oh yeah, know, no doubt. To, no doubt. To, to to really think about it, that that would that would help a lot. That would help the Knicks a lot. Yeah, no doubt. You know, not only obviously uh, don't want to bring back a. Uh, a terrible point in time, but this time around last year, you know, Zion Williamson was the guy, and then uh, you can only hope the draft lottery. <laughs> you know, not only not only what Zion brought to the table with stardom and just being the guy, you know, the athletic freak, you know, something that we've never seen before. I'm not saying that uh, there's any of those guys in this year's draft, but the Knicks, more than anything, obviously you need a player to have a good basketball team, but for the Knicks specifically at this point in time, I think that they just need a guy to put people in the seats. Not that the Madison Square Garden ever has problems bringing in people. Yeah. But you need to bring in people that, you know, me, I'm not a New York Knicks fan. I will go to see Cole Anthony if he's playing in the garden. I will go to see LaMelo Ball if he's playing in the garden. 
because that's that's a prime time player right there. And of course, I'd love to see that in person. But the Knicks have to get there first, guys. And sadly, with the Knicks luck and where they stand right now, even if they were to get that sixth spot, I don't know if those guys would personally be available uh, at that point in time. But guys, there's another great segment. We're going to round it off. And we're going to jump into the other New York basketball team, the Brooklyn Nets, a team with a little more higher hopes, a little brighter of a future uh, than the boys over at the Garden. So in recent news, we're, we're, we're bringing back some traction with the NBA, but specifically the Nick, uh, the Nets. Um, there's been rumors around Bradley Beal potentially being on the move, rumored to team up with the Brooklyn Nets. And guys, I think if this happens, you know, you get even a 75% healthy Kevin Durant of what he once was, a Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and, and a Kevin Durant. I think that's easily, easily. I think that would beat the Bucs even at their fullest strength. I think they'd easily go to the NBA Finals. And any team in the West right now, I think, would be scared of them. I, I personally think that they would. I would even go to the furthest of extent, guys, and I know they don't have a head coach right now, and that might be a factor in your playing mindset and decision-making, I think they'd win the NBA Finals. I think they'd win the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. The problem what I see with this is I don't see – yes, John Suggs, thank you, trade for Bradley Beal. Obviously not a free agent acquisition. Bradley Beal did sign an extension with the Washington Wizards, I believe, within this season, uh, a two-year extension. So it would be a trade. It would be interesting to see what they would have to trade for Bradley Beal considering – the Wizards would most likely want a lot of compensation, lot of whether stuff. it comes to picks, yeah. obviously some young players, you know, some Brooklyn Nets fan favorites, and a Jared Allen or a Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie potentially could be on the move if a trade package for Bradley Beal does come about. But guys, your personal take, what would Bradley Beal, would this be one of the best trios that we've seen this decade? I uh, One of the best trios? In the decade, I'm if we're I'm still thinking LeBron, Wade, and Bosch is still the best trio in the, in the decade too. It's up there. I do like Bradley Beal, um, but we just haven't seen Kyrie and Kevin Durant even play together, so we don't know how that's going to mesh together. Let alone now you're going to drag in the third guy also. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, they'll definitely be improved a lot more. I mean, just on pa- on paper, if you see all three of them on the same team, you're like, yes, they're going to win a lot of games and potentially make a playoff run and maybe even win the NBA Finals. But we got to have to see how it is on the court. I want to see how Kevin Durant goes with Kyrie Irving because, let's be real, ever since Kyrie Irving has left uh, where do you want, uh, Cleveland, you know, with even his tenure in, in Boston, it didn't end too well because he was the main guy and he kind of struggled and just didn't transition to what we kind of hoped for. Brooklyn, it's been the same thing. He's the he's the main guy, hasn't transitioned as I mean, he's been solid, but not like you know, making the Nets like an automatic playoff threat. I want to see how him and Kevin Durant do, and then we'll go into Bradley Beal. I think uh, he brings it, John, right? John, I just want to make sure I'm saying, yeah, John brings up a good point, um, about it, um, only because we would think since we'll touch on this later in the segment that the Nets do make the 16th seed playoff bracket that we could possibly see the return of KD. Yes. You know, and that means KD and Kyrie Irving is playing together. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that's, that's actually not a bad, you know, idea because you see how they, they mesh with the, how many ever games they'll play um, in the 16 seed playoff. And then you think about it. Well, yeah, that that may not be a bad idea. Maybe we do bring him in, or be like, no, adding somebody else to this mix isn't going to work out, kind of yep. thing. Yeah. 
no doubt. We got a couple comments in here. Uh, John, <coughs> excuse me. Um, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Got some give water? Yeah, give me a minute, guys. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll read John Zucker's comment then. So it says, John Wall's coming back for Washington. He looks good. He looks good. <clears throat> He's going to be my dark horse comeback player. I Well, I'll start with it. I think I agree. I think John Wall is probably one of the better point guards in the league. It's been kind of, you know, unfortunate to see kind of the past two years been dealing with injuries. He hasn't played. Missed the back half of last season, hasn't played this season. If yep. the NBA comes back, he probably won't play, you know, probably yep. on the shelf until next season. But we got to remember, guys, he was one of the top point guards in the league when healthy, and him and Bradley Beal was a very good duo. Yep. Yeah. It'll, de- it'll definitely be interesting to see. My thing with Washington is, is that obviously John Wall has been hurt these last couple of years, and it's definitely hurt the Wizards' chances. You know, I don't think that makes them a – championship even eastern conference caliber type of team but it puts them right in that conversation you know john wall and a healthy bradley beal that could get you definitely within the eight definitely within the one to eight seed in the eastern conference i would give it maybe a five or six seed they'd range about because again they were working with that same tandem forever and it just didn't seem to be you know not that it wasn't clicking but it just it, it wasn't enough to compete in the east and i think that even in today's Eastern Conference, where it sits alone, where you got the championship Raptors, even though they they now lost out on Kawhi Leonard, who was uh, ascending to be one of the best players in the world, if if not uh, top three players in the world, or right now in the NBA today, it seems like they haven't missed a step. You know, as dysfunctional as the 76ers look from time to time, they still are within the Eastern Conference, still within the discussion. Obviously, you got the Bucks with the reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You obviously have um, the Miami Heat, who are now a young and ascending team with the addition of a nice vet and Jimmy Butler, um, and even the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics, who look absolutely unbelievable. You know, you'd think you'd lose a star like a Kyrie Irving, but it's only allowed these younger players to get more minutes and flourish. Um, and flourish. And, you know, we'll talk to Alec Wald about that in a little bit. But we're going to go to a comment here by our uh, normal host for Review and Preview, Tom Scavetta. Do the Nets let Joe Harris walk? Tom, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. If there was to be any trade for Bradley Beal, it would be strictly based on contract similarity. Because Bradley Beal, I believe, I believe this, do not quote me on this, he's making around with the extension in the mid-30s, if not the 40 range. So whatever the Nets would have to give up, it would have to be something that would get rid of cap. Because remember, they are a team right now that is under some sort of cap restraint. They signed a massive contract for Kyrie, massive contract to KD. Um, DeAndre Jordan, he even took a pay cut to be on the team. He did. He did. They he did. re-signed, they extended, uh, they extended a uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Who would probably be a trade piece as well, just because even though he's fantastic, he could be a starting point guard in this league. So if they do decide to move on from John Wall potentially, you know, with his injury history, him making $45 million every year for the past couple of years that he's been hurt, you know, will they look to move on from him and go on to a starting point guard that they know is healthy, can bring 22 points to the table, 23 points to the table? On top of the fact that they just extended, um, they just extended a Karis Levert. So he's got some money coming in uh, his way now. So it's all going to be based on how much money they need to free up so that Bradley Beal can become a member of the Brooklyn Nets. 
And I think that Joe Harris, uh, let's see, John Suggs coming in. He has, Suggs, a, he has a big one. He John big Suggs. One. Yeah, follower of JDF. Uh, so thank you uh, so much, John, for tuning in to review and preview some more sports talk. So we'll read this uh, this tw- um, this post out by uh, John Suggs. The Nets hold Harris's bird rights. So they can go over the salary cap to resign him and offer him more money than any other team. Well, Harris is likely the the garner. The, I'm reading that right. Likely to garner a yes. significant raise from his current salary of a seven point seven million dollar contract. Owner Joe Sy has given every indication that he's ready and willing to invest whatever is necessary to aid the Nets in their championship quest. Yeah, and I think that you know that says that. You know, not that Joe Harris has not been a good player. I believe he won the three-point competition in the All-Star game last year. Um, he played in that again. I think he's a solid, consistent, around, I want to say around 40, low 40% three-point shooter throughout the yeah, season. he's a very good shooter. He's a very good shooter, but I think he gets left off the books because, you know, you got to add, you got to have stars in this league, guys. You got to have stars in this league. And Katie and Kyrie might be enough, but adding another star doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. Yes, it might deplete your bench a little bit or some other scoring options. But, again, you give up a Spencer Dinwiddie, okay. You give up a Karis LeVert, okay. You even give up a Joe Harris, okay. That's a lot to trade. But for a a 28 efficient, efficient, we got to remember, Bradley Beal, again, he's the only option on the Washington Wizards right now, but he's an efficient scorer. He's not just a guy putting up tremendous numbers because he's shooting the ball 40 times a game. He's efficient. You have that guy on the squad as a third option behind Kyrie and KD. Uh, you got it. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. Russo, I love every point you said, but one point. Thank where, you. You're welcome. <laughs> where you said that uh, the stars yeah. on the team. Um, we also have to realize that uh, the Warriors were pretty much all made up of studs and great stars. Um, but you also have to look at some other issues that do arise when you have too many stars in one locker room. Yeah. Um, you know, between their ego and everything, you don't want to see that also hurt the team and the young players that are mm-hmm. coming up through the organization or they get traded for what have you um, to then come up and now have to deal with uh, three big egos along with being in New York. The, the one thing I will say with the words that outside of Kevin Durant, they drafted all those players. So. Yes. That's yeah. the only argument, but other than that, I yeah. do agree with what you're saying. There's always a potential for that. But Green, Thompson, Curry, they kind of they did yeah. draft them all they, there. They came up through the organization. But then, together, but but then you, when they added Kevin Durant, then you kind of saw a little bit of the friction. So I yeah. do agree with you at that point. I just brought that up because that's yeah. the most star-studded team we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, At least I can remember. Mm-hmm. No, James, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point, especially because of the egos and attitudes and – I guess you would say I don't want to say immaturity, but but levels of levels of things that don't necessarily need to be outcome and forecome and explained to the whole world. You know, we've seen what happened with Kyrie Irving in Boston. You know, even Kevin Durant. You know, last season, you know, arguing whether Kevin Durant was going to leave the uh, Golden State Warriors. One of the biggest things that we saw um, as a reason for why he would leave is I don't know if you guys remember, but remember that nice long month a couple weeks span in which there was a huge confrontation with Draymond Green and about the value that each player brought to the team. And we kind of all had a feeling that Draymond Green might have kicked Kevin Durant personally out of Golden State himself for four coming seasons to to happen. You know, 
We'll see. That's a lot of egos in that locker room. I'm not saying Bradley Beal is that guy, but to, to, to add a star to that, James, you could potentially be right. The only thing that I have to rebuttal is that knowing that these guys have egos, they chose to join up together willingly. Oh, yeah. They yeah. chose to join up together willingly. You know, they chose their destination spot. They chose to get together. And I guess in a sense, that means that we might see their egos be put to, behind them. Can we see that eventually break out? Of course, because basketball is a very uh, emotional, physical sport in which you, you pour your blood, sweat, and tears into 48 minutes of a game. And when you, you, you put in a massive point streak, a stat line, and you don't come out with a win, you know, you, you start to fight with each other because at the end of the day, the Stars are going to win you the game. Yes, you have these guys on the bench, but if the Stars isn't performing, you're going to get called out for it. And, James, that's a very good point. But we're going to move on from this now. We're going to continue with the Nets, but we're going to move on for this point of discussion. So with this new proposed format, I don't know if you guys saw it, ESPN tweeted, um, posted out a bracket on their Instagram page uh, for a potential format of how the playoffs will look. So with this bracket, the Nets would face off against the LA Lakers. And I know you guys might be saying to yourself, LA Lakers, that's the Western Conference team. The Nets are the Eastern Conference. With this new bracket, they now have intertwined games in which the Western Conference and Eastern Conference mesh. For listeners who have not seen this, this would then mean, for instance, the Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in the NBA at this point in time. So they would be the number one seed. The number two seed in this instance would be the L.A. Lakers. They are not in the Eastern Conference. They I actually the- posted it up here, too, just I found it on the Internet, too. So just if you want to explain it, too, just so people have a visual idea, I uh, put on the last minute, I just thought about this. But go ahead, Russo. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 no. Fonz, I appreciate it. I was actually thinking about it as I was explaining. I'm like, you know, that would have been a really good photo mm-hmm. to bring up yeah, right now. I, for- I just looked it up, one. so I'm assuming this is the correct one. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is correct. That is yeah, correct. correct so as you guys could see, the L.A. Lakers would be the second seed Obviously, they're not in the Eastern Conference, but because they have the second best record in the NBA, Fonz, I'm Fonz, Tom uh, posting here on the uh, in the chat, Cream City, shout out to his Milwaukee Bucks, big fan of Notre Dame fighting Irish player Pat Connaughton, Tom Scavetta uh, coming at us live in the chat, boys. But this <laughs> is how the bracket would look like. This is how the bracket would look like. And I'm not opposed to this. I think this could actually make the NBA playoffs a lot more fun. You know, yeah. I'm looking at some of these matchups, and every one of these matchups outside of maybe Orlando versus Milwaukee can be a very, very entertaining matchup where you can make an argument that it could go really either way. You look at OKC and Miami, and I hate to throw my heat some shade, but <laughs> OKC, they've low-key been a really good team this that year. That would be a very good matchup. Yeah. I would want to watch. That would be a seven-game first-round matchup, I think. That would be very good. You see the Boston Celtics up against the 76ers in the first round. That's always fun, even mm-hmm. though I think that Boston has the edge. That could always be a fun series. Then you have the Dallas Mavericks and the L.A. Clippers. And, you know, what L.A. Clippers are we going to get? I think the stat line is, is that the Clippers as a team have only played with their starting lineup, a healthy starting lineup, seven times this season. Now, granted, they've had a lot of time to recuperate and get healthy, but again, because they've had such little time to play for with each other, what type of success are we going to see out of this team? I'm not saying they're going to lose, but Luka Doncic himself can potentially force maybe a five, six-game series in which otherwise could potentially be a four-game. You look at the – and I'm going to go through the rest of these teams. I'm going to throw right back to the Nets. Houston Rockets versus the Utah Jazz. Another interesting series. Are we, 
Are we going to see 27 straight missed three-pointers? What are we going to see out of the Jazz? What are we going to see? You know, a Rudy Gobert and a, and a Donovan Mitchell, you know, we saw what happened in March. Is that dysfunction? Is that argumentation and that, I don't want to say hatred, but uh, lack of liking at the moment going to come to fruition in the playoffs? Or is that going to uh, kind of stay on the back burner and they're going to come together, men together, and make it past a strong team in Houston? What is Houston going to be like running P.J. Tucker at the five? Denver up against Indiana. You're getting Victor Oladipo back, who is coming back. He looked like he, when he came back, he played some excellent games for the Pacers. You know, the Denver Nuggets, Jokic is kind of taking a step back from what he had last season on the stat line. Um, I believe he was an all-star this uh, this was. past season. But he kind of took a, a step back stat line-wise. And even the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Toronto Raptors. I think the Toronto Raptors, hands down, are going to win this series. But John Morant in the playoffs, that could be fun. That could be a lot of fun to watch a young point guard up against this team that is just coming up a championship. John Suggs coming at us live in the chat. So you could possibly have two Western teams play for the finals, Dallas and L.A., just saying for an example. Again, you know, a lot of old-time, a lot of true NBA fans, a lot of old-time NBA fans, you know, they're against this. I'm all for it. I think this would make the NBA a lot of fun. I think this would definitely be a way, a marketing standpoint, in which you could potentially not regain. Obviously, listen, you're not going to regain all the revenue that you've lost out on. But this, I think, is one of the best marketing ways to gain uh, the utmost potential uh, revenue increase and income in which the NBA will be receiving. Not that the regular playoffs aren't fun, but I think this is just a lot better standpoint. And again, this is proposed. This is nothing set in stone. Uh, the NBA is in, uh, is a league right now. Actually, I believe that Adam Silver actually came out with something a couple hours ago. Um, if one of you guys could look it up just real quick. It's along the I yes, believe, yes, James? I think if I remember correctly, I'm going to look it up right now. I think yep. it was along the lines of they would start in some time of July. Yes, a return in some time in July. But I don't believe that in the post itself it alluded to anything about how they're going to address uh, whether resuming a season or whether they're going to jump straight into the playoffs as we've seen. Uh, uh, that, I believe you're correct on that as we've seen with the NHL and what their standpoint is at this point in time. But, guys, we're going to throw back to the Brooklyn Nets. Russo, actually, I just want to – I don't mean to backtrack you, but I want to bring up another point uh, for all our listeners if they don't know this. Um, The NBA has been in contact with uh, the Disney Corporation, Disney World and stuff in Orlando, um, that they would have most of these games, or not all of these games, within their – on their, on, on their property. On their property, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's called their arena, but it would be on their property. Um, so that way it would be all one central location for all the six, 16 teams yeah. to play. Um, yeah. But sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to clarify that for our viewers in case yeah. they didn't know that or not. I'll just say this quick before we go on back to the Nets. I think I'm all for this too. I mean, we're in a situation where the NBA was on a pause. What better time to bring back something, bring back like the game and just, you know, just try it out. You got nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. it's kind of been a crazy season to begin with. Might as well test this out. I mean, people have been talking about this for a while. I know, like, I know I'm looking at soccer, like they don't have the conferences. They just do the top 20. We're seeing it now with the NBA All-Star Week. And remember, it was East versus West. Now it's just, all right, the top 12 players for the East and West, but let's just like draft the team. doesn't matter who's going where. We could potentially see this in the future where we kind of, the conferences are there, yes, 
but it's just now one one through sixteen who's the best. And eventually, I wouldn't be shocked. And down the line, we just see the conference are there's just no more. It's just the best uh, the best thirty NBA teams, and you just go from the top sixteen from there. That's just what I'm thinking. You eventually see that. <laughs> I mean, and um, and LA, what do you say here? First, <laughs> yeah. So lose the first again. Um, yeah, that's perfect. I like that. I'm I'm all for it. But like Sug said, Dallas and the Lakers. That would be a good one. I mean, we've seen Western Conference Finals matches where, like, this is better than the actual NBA Finals. And now we could definitely potentially see that. We saw the All-Star game kind of moving away from conferences. Now we're going to eventually maybe see the NBA playoffs doing that. So, um, Fonz, I'm glad you brought up that point. Um, I did find on the score, guys, um, I, I was scrolling through where Fonz was talking about that. It has a whole long article about what they would do with COVID-19 and all this other stuff. Um, but from what it says, target July 31st as the date for the NBA's return to action um, was also reported, discussed during Friday's call. Um, so it seems like they already kind of have a date on the – a tentative date on the books, it seems like. Well, it's interesting, James, before we roll it back into the Nets, uh, specifically, it's interesting because, again, we say that as a set date, but what does that mean? Does that mean the season's going to resume? Does that mean playoffs are going to resume? Or does that mean like a some sort of training camp will happen? Because you got to remember, these players have been out of basketball for the last, what would that be at that point? Uh, four, end of July? That would be about four months. March, April, May, March, April, May, June, July. Five months? Yeah, that would be five months. They got to get their bodies back into yeah. uh, NBA playoff shape. You know, you can't be... You can't be playing uh, – you just got to get your feet back underneath you once again because you've been out of the game for so long. And it also comes up, you know, interesting with the delay of which the NBA is taking, at least in my mind, this announcement would almost, at least in my mind, again, perceive to be that the NBA would go in the direction of going straight to the playoffs. Only because yes. if you start end of July – why this works out for the MLB and why they can prolong stuff a little longer is because their season ends uh, in October and they don't start up again again till April. It, that, that's when it ends. So October, November. So with the NBA, however, you know you're already pushing into the 2020-21 season once you hit that end of October range. So. Does this now mean that the 2020-2021 season is going to be delayed based on what's going to happen for this season? It's definitely a question to be asked, and it's definitely something that is going to be have, had to discuss with you know owners of the, these NBA franchises, uh, players within these franchises, if they feel safe enough to play. You know, Granted, um, having one main hubs, uh, hub place for all 32 uh, – 30 teams, 32 teams in the NBA, you know, it could, it could frighten some players coming from all over the country, even outside of the country when you have the Toronto Raptors. But back to the Brooklyn Nets, guys. And this will be one of the last points that we do before we move on to our Celtics segment and bring on Alec Walt. But with the Nets now, guys, and I know that it's been something that has been talked about throughout the season. You know, we've been hearing Kevin Durant is getting healthy. We've been seeing videos of him getting back on the court shooting around, practicing, getting a little more aggressive, meaning, you know, taking further more steps towards a healthy recovery, playing back out on the court once again. End of July return, guys, that gives him two more months to recover, yeah. on which we've already seen him be practicing, 
getting into NBA shape for the last couple months now. Is Ke- two questions actually? It's it's a two parter. If will Kevin Durant? Is there a good possibility that we could see Kevin Durant return for a potential playoff or resuming of an NBA season? And my second question, guys, is if this format is going to be the format and Kevin Durant is healthy, can Kevin Durant and Kyrie beat Anthony Davis and LeBron James? Uh, one, I don't think he should come back. Um, obviously, I think you should. I mean, you're going to rush him back here because the plan all along was, you know, he's not going to play at all this season uh, no matter what. Now, yeah, is there could be a potential that he – could he be healthy enough to play? Probably. We're not sure. I mean, Achilles, you generally would take – takes a whole year to recover and then and then some depending on the severity of the tear. I think if you bring him back now in this situation, kind of once the playoffs start and you rush him back in, like, all right, you know, you're good to go, right? Yeah, sure. But you, it's, I think it's not the best idea to do it, especially when you're in a situation like that. They're in the, they would be the 15th seed in that situation because, I mean, you're going up against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think that that duo has been gelled together nicely for the past for the past season, been doing very well together. And then you're going to throw in Kyrie Irving, who's already supposed to be out for the season also, and Kevin Durant just kind of throw them together to see what happens. I don't think it's a good idea, and I even if they do play together, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis would, you know, beat them. I believe. Yeah, Fonz. I, I mean, no player should ever be rushed back from an inju- injury, uh, even if the season does get extended, like we are seeing this year. Um, but I mean, for fan wise of the Nets to see KD come back for what he signed for, yeah, I think they would like to see him. Um, I think they would like to see him honestly right away. Um, but I think that um, to have him come back with Kyrie and ha- if half the team was already gelling to a nice format, I don't see that being interrupted. To be, I'd rather have KD sit on the bench, maybe come in for a few minutes, but not as a starter if he's healthy enough and ready to go. Yeah, James, I would have to agree with you. You know, if I'm Sean Marks, who's the GM for the Brooklyn Nets, I'm looking at Kevin Durant and, you know, you have a window of opportunity. You have a window of opportunity with this Nets team, with Kyrie under contract, with DeAndre Jordan still young at the center position. You've got a lot of young guys that aren't on these massive contracts and you have solid veterans that are on uh, minimalistic contracts that really need to, I guess you'd say, be taken advantage of in the sense of, in the sense of, um, you know, getting a championship out of this team, because I think that we could agree that especially, especially in the Eastern conference, the way it's panned out right now is that again, seven, I don't think that after you tear an ACL, it's very, very difficult to come back. We've seen uh, Porzingis try to get back into it. I think one of the, one of the best players that we've seen in NBA history, come back from an ACL tear or an injury that of that magnitude, it's probably Dominique Wilkins back when he was a member of the Hawks. But even him, he didn't necessarily come back to full health. Um, and we've seen a lot of players get massively affected by this type of injury, especially a player like Kevin Durant, where his legs are so thin and skinny. Yes, he's a lightweight player, but he's a very athletic player who's carrying a big body on top of the fact that does he still have that, aggre- not aggression mentally, but aggression physically to be able to do these things that once made him the best, uh, a top three, if not the best player in the entire world. You know, that's let alone to be solved and let alone to be seen. But we'll see that over time. You know, probably not this season again. I think if I'm Sean Marks, I keep him out. You know, whoever the coach is 
at that standpoint in time, the smartest decision for them to make would be, Kevin, we're going to get through the 2020 season. We want to have you back for the 2020-21 season, and that's when we'll compete for a championship. That's when we'll go full throttle. We'll still work you back up into the mix, not saying that you can't be the starter right away, but work you back into the mix because you have missed a year of basketball. And it's going to take you a little bit to get back into it, even though that we saw when um, he got brought back for the Warriors in the uh, finals, I believe it was game five, game six. And they rushed him back. What happened then? You know, that's exact exact point right there. They rushed him back, but when he was playing those 10 minutes, it didn't seem like he lost. He didn't lose a step. I think he, believed, I think he hit like four straight three-pointers. He didn't lose a step. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll have to – We'll just have to wait, guys. We'll just have to wait. But that'll do it for our Brooklyn Nets segment. Um, now we're going to roll into our Boston Celtics segment. Guys, back to green. Back to green. Yes. And <laughs> Alec Walt is officially here. Uh, Russo, would you like to officially introduce him into the stream? Yes, Alec Walt is going to be on with us. Alec Walt of JDF Sports. Going to talk some Boston Celtics with us. Alec, how you doing? Repping the Celtics right there. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Absolutely. Pleasure having you on. Pleasure having you on. Well, it's always good working with you, right? <laughs> oh, I'm happy to see two of you at least. <laughs> Love so, the lights, though. I'm digging those lights. You're digging the lights? You know what it is? Yeah, those, those, those are cool. This uh, quarantine home studio edition, you know, what might be for the uh, unforeseen future. You got you to gotta upgrade it a little bit. Yeah. I had a little glare coming from these lights in the ceiling, so we had to get some... Uh, a little bit of flow. You know, it's a Friday night. It's a Friday night. It's a party here on Review and Preview. Make sure. Make there sure you're tuning in. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. But, um, Alex, some Celtics talk. So when the Celtics last played basketball, they stood at obviously one of the best teams in the league, one of the most aggressive, young, and upcoming teams in the league, stood at a record of 43-21, and 21, just, I believe, clinched a playoff berth uh, at that point in time, which the season uh, got postponed. They now sit at third in the East. So, Alec, you had a great young star, and his name is Jason Tatum. And I don't know what you personally believe in him and what his capabilities and what his max height potential in the NBA is, but when I look at the future of the NBA as we enter this decade of 2020, I'm putting his name in the conversation to potentially be one of the faces of the league. I think he's right there. I think he's right there. I think we saw that from year one when he was minutes away from dethroning a LeBron James as a rookie in game seven against the Cavs uh, back in the Eastern Conference Championship, I believe the year 2017, don't quote me on that, 2017, 2018, I believe it was. But Alec, when you look at a guy in Jason Tatum, is this the guy that's going to go down as one of the, let alone a Celtics legend, because I think, I think that he could get there easily. But one of the faces of the league entering 2020, yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum took a massive step in his game uh, this past season. He showed, you know, spurts of greatness uh, through the first two seasons uh, in the NBA. And then last year when it was Kyrie left, it was Tatum's team. We really saw him take that step as a young player and prove to the rest of the league that, you know, he can play up with those guys. I mean, you we've seen him have those battles against guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard against the Clippers this year. We've seen him have a couple battles in the past against LeBron James, like you mentioned in the playoffs. I mean, 
all those games that he had as a young player and playing in those environments as a rookie, as a sophomore, has helped him a ton in his game. I mean, he's added a lot of muscle physically. He's an aggressive uh, – he's great in the lane. He's a excellent passer. He's an all-around wing, and you need that type of player if you want to be successful in the NBA. So uh, I'm a huge fan of Jason Tatum. I think he's made a massive jump. Uh, this past season for the Celtics, and he absolutely will be one of the faces of the NBA uh, for this decade and for for years to come. Uh, and I'm happy he's a member of the Celtics. Now, Alec, Jason Tatum, he recently, uh, recently spoke out uh, upon his play and the success in which he's had in his young career. He accredited part of his success to players along the lines of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. When you see such a young guy, you know, you see these guys, they – they watch these players their entire lives. They aspire to be them, but they never can get there. You know, we already see Jason Tatum reaching those heights in, in such a young NBA career. And just speak about what we what we could see out of the Celtics team as the future. Is this, you know, people talk about the Bucks taking over the East and being that team. Uh, granted, if Giannis stays in 2020, as he, 2021, if he stays uh, a Buck, obviously. But the Celtics could be the reigning team of the East. Could we potentially see you know, a, a dynasty with this young team rounded around a Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum definitely has the skill set to be one of the cornerstone players uh, for a franchise. Yes, the NBA is its a tough league to win. Um, we've seen, you know, the Kawhis, the LeBrons. You need that elite-level player if you want to be considered, if you want to contend for a title. And, you know, I definitely think Tatum has the ability to do it. And um, you know, we still have a young coach in Brad Stevens, who's proven to be one of the better coaches in the NBA so far in his young career. He has a point guard right now, like Kemba Walker with him, uh, along with Jason uh, Jalen Brown, who's ex- expected to be a young player with the Celtics for a while. So there's a lot of key players next to Tatum, as well as uh, Tatum's skill set. I mean, he's improved every single season. He's improved in the fourth quarter. Um, he's not afraid to play among some of these guys. And, and you see it post game. I mean, NBA players show a lot of respect to each other. And every time the Celtics play the Clippers, every time the Celtics play the Lakers, you see these guys give a lot of credit to Jason Tatum, speak highly of Jason Tatum. These guys are seeing at at such a young age, someone who can come into the league and be so successful. So I'm I'm not going to say dynasty. I don't really know. I don't know if they're going to win that many. The NBA is a tough league to win. And I, I hope the Celtics can find a way to, you know, keep bringing in the talent they've been able to bring in the last couple of years. But, Uh, Jason Tatum is that all-around wing every single team in the league is looking for. And, you know, you need one of those type of players if you want to be considered contenders in this league. Now, Alec, I got to ask. I got to ask. Former Celtic legend. This I'm waiting for it. This is Walt's favorite player. (laughs) Walt loves this guy. (laughs) Especially post-Celtics run. Former Celtic Paul Pierce recently spoke about his top five all-time players to ever play basketball. This list excluded LeBron James. <laughs> do you do you think Pierce is just being a straight up hater, or does he actually make a strong enough case for keeping LeBron out of his top five all time? One thing I've learned about broadcasting is there are certain people out there on a national platform who will do anything to get attention, and I think this is a situation where Paul. P- it, there's no way Paul Pierce believes that's true. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, I don't know what his intentions were, but I looked at it as this guy's just trying to get attention. I, I really look at it as nothing else. Um, 
it's let's be real here. Um, I think most of us can agree that the top two to ever play the game of basketball is Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Uh, Paul Pierce definitely had his battles with LeBron in the past, and uh, they've had some pretty heated rivalries. And you know, there's definitely uh, some bad blood between the two of them. But you know, let's be real here. That was that was an attention grabber for about two seconds, in my opinion. There's no way Paul Pierce believes that statement to be true. No, I'd have to agree. I would have to just go along the lines of just him being a straight-up hater just based on the fact. I don't know if you'd say lack of success, maybe hatred um, towards those early Miami teams when LeBron first came over to South Beach and the Celtics couldn't get over that hump. And, you know, obviously the, the aggression that Celtics players had towards Ray Allen joining Miami when they were still trying to compete, you know, KG getting mad, Paul Pierce getting mad. You know, I, I think that's where that hatred in that comment uh, spawns from. Um, but in complete agreement, this is just an attention grabber. This is just a uh, attention seeker, I guess you would say. There's no way. There's no way, like you said, LeBron James will go down as probably the second best player to ever play basketball. There's no way that this list has any magnitude or any factual argument to it because you cannot leave LeBron James out of your top five, let alone a list of three players, I think yeah. so. Pierce, Pierce has been just interesting since his post retirement. What uh, do you What do you say? Like it's all it's he, it's, didn't it's he already over. Have been Wade. Something oh, the series against the Bucks. Yeah, it's yeah. Over. I think yeah, it was like it's four. already over, and it was like just a, after one game. And the Celtics won the first game and lost the next four. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like no. I mean, Paul Pierce. Himself, but... I'll forever be respect Paul Pierce. You know, he was a Boston Celtics legend. Uh, he was the basketball player I grew up watching for a very long time. But you know, as someone who is now in professional broadcasting, you know, pursuing this career, um, I'm really not the biggest fan of him. Um, I, I don't think he really is prepared. Um, you know, I, I make it. I just. I don't think he's very good behind a microphone. I don't think he's great on TV. I don't think he's great for broadcasting. But, you know, I'll wear his jersey, but I can't stand hearing what he has to say because, I mean, I can't defend saying he's better than Wade or a series is over or LeBron's not in the top five. Like, let's be real. Three strikes already, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, come on. But, I mean... We'll see. Well, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't really, I can't keep listening. You stumbled Walton. It's never been happened. You stumbled Walton. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting, I, I'm, but it's true. I, I cannot stand listening to him on TV. Listen, I, I'm happy. I guess I was the first one to do it. Uh, according to LaFonza's <laughs> yeah, reaction, no, I'm are. happy that I was the first one to do it. But guys, do you guys have any, any questions, any topics of discussion, pinpoints of discussion? Uh, in yeah. regards to the Celtics to talk about with Walt? Well, I do. I'll start off, um, if you don't mind, James. Uh, Go ahead. So, I mean, we talked about already with the season, like, you know, with Tatum, Brown, and Walker. But, you know, go over to, like, the off season. You know, what is kind of, like, a number one priority you think the Celtics should do, maybe as far as uh, the draft, even though we don't know what pick they would get, or maybe in free agency, despite, you know, what's going on. It's probably going to be a lot more hectic. What do you think, like, just in general, like, what do you think the Celtics should do first in uh, in the off season? The Celtics are not doing anything until they figure out how to switch defensively on Giannis. They can't beat the Bucs. The only thing stopping them from contending is the Bucs. They can't beat the Milwaukee Bucs. Um, they're really missing that type of Marcus Morris type. That big, physical, versatile wing who can play the three and the four. Solid perimeter defender. Uh, can do a lot of different things. I mean, 
when you look at the Celtics wing defense or guys that could, the bodies you're throwing at Giannis to possibly slow him down. I mean, you got Tatum, Brown, Hayward, Grant Williams. That's, it's not enough. You got to throw more athletic, more physical guys, or Giannis is going to run you over. And um, if I'm the Celtics, I'm finding a way to bring in that physical athletic four type player. Um, you talked about the draft. I'm a big fan of Jaden McDaniels out of Washington. He's six ten with a plus wingspan. That dude is a little similar to a Jonathan Isaac type player. Um, I have no idea where he gets drafted because this draft is one of the, going to be one of the hardest drafts to evaluate. I mean, it was one of the hardest to evaluate going into, you know, not having an NCAA tournament um, and now not having a combine and a ton of international prospects coming over. Uh, so I'm interested to see when he goes, but I think if I'm the Celtics, I need to find a way to slow Giannis down because they're not getting through the East or whatever playoff format they have, unless they get more physical, more versatile and better defensively on the wing, specifically at that three, four type position next to Tatum. Alec, in my personal opinion, you know, a guy that was uh, a couple guys that were rumored to be linked to the Celtics at some point in the season, a guy like a Tristan Thompson, a guy like a Steve Adams, uh, a guy even like a Clint Capella before he eventually got traded to the Atlanta Hawks, you know, could you see a traditional five big man potentially being the missing piece uh, of the Celtics puzzle? Not saying that Daniel Tice has not done the job, but just having a more experienced guy in there uh, can have that more offensive aspect to him as well on top of the rebounding blocking ability. Would that necessarily be that missing piece for this team? Well, if they're going to play small ball, you need to make sure you have someone that can take over the paint. And the Celtics have not really been the most physical at that position for a while. And it's definitely one thing that's hurt them in the playoffs. I mean, Brooke Lopez, as Tom's mentioned before, has been a Celtic killer. And, you know, we they need to get more physical down low. Now, if the Celtics could approach the center by committee with Cantor, Williams, and Tice, you need to make sure Williams is there. I mean, Williams is really that missing piece to the, what the Celtics have right now because he's that physical physical, athletic, shot-blocking big man that they really need. Now, at the end of the day, I'd rather have them get one guy. I'm not really the biggest fan of you know having three different centers. Um, they need to get a legitimate center. At the end of the day, they need to. They're not going to win with the centers they have right now. They're not physical enough in the paint. Um, it's tough to see where they go after it because they have such – because once they pay Tatum, they're going to be very limited cap-wise because of the contract they gave to Jalen Brown as well as uh, Kemba Walker. Marcus Smart is under a pretty decent contract. So uh, they they need to get someone. But as of now, Williams can do it. He just can't stay healthy and be on the court. No, I definitely have to agree. Obviously, one of the missing uh, pieces, I guess you would say, was a uh, is a big man, a, a fifth man, uh, not a fifth man, uh, a guy at the five, <laughs> a guy at the five, uh, to protect the board, get rebounds, get blocks, but also be a scoring option within the paint. And Taco I think that Paul. that's probably, I, you know, when I look at the Celtics team, obviously it hasn't panned out so well with his new team, but you know, what kind of impact do you think Al Horford would have brought in this, in this, for this team? Uh, now necessarily that he's in, uh, Philadelphia, but do you believe that Al Horford could have been that piece considering that? He could be that guy at the five. He could shoot um, from beyond the arc as well efficiently. And he could also be there defensively on occasion. Well, I mean, what, when we had Al Horford, we weren't the most physical team in the paint to begin with. I mean, I, I think we needed some – It was almost, the, the Celtics played almost their best when Horford played the four and someone else played the five, like a Baines 
or a Tice or someone like that. I and Horford, honestly, he has not looked great at all in Philadelphia since he's no. been there this past season. So think about it. If we have Horford, that means we don't have Kemba, which means I think the Celtics are worse. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Guys, any any questions? Any any points of discussion you guys want to talk about with Walt while we got so, him on? So Alec, I got a question for you. Um, you guys in uh the proposed NBA playoff six 16th uh one through 16 seed you guys are seated fifth at the moment um if that doesn't change in any way do you feel that during this break has made your team more of a um like not a surprise but more of a team where they can go on a better run by having this longer break than compared to some other teams yes because one they're playing a team they're very familiar with and they're playing a team that Brad Stevens has dominated since he's been head coach of the Boston Celtics, and that's Philadelphia 76ers. Now, you'd think the Sixers would be a bad matchup for the Celtics because the Sixers are enormous, but I think the Celtics are going into this with an advantage because for the next two months, they know who they're playing, and they are very familiar with what they're going to be seeing. So I think the Celtics, are. this is actually going to be a huge advantage for them because, one, they know who they're playing, two, Robert Williams is should be back. I mean, he's really that one missing piece I said we really needed, that if they want to go center by committee, you need to make sure you can be ready for every matchup. You have Cantor as that more offensive rebounding, double-double potential type guy. Daniel Tice as the spot-up defender. You bring in Robert Williams, he's that athletic shot blocker, someone you know who could do something. So, you know, I think the Celtics will be okay. I think playing the Sixers is huge because – you know, if you know what to expect, you know, it can help you build that momentum after one series. So um, I'm actually pretty happy we're playing Philadelphia. Um, again, they're not the fastest team. Uh, they also can't shoot. Uh, so, again, they'll play physical. They'll tire the Celtics out. They'll beat them on the boards. But I don't have a I – I don't see Philadelphia beating this team because they they really haven't since Brad Stevens has taken over as the Celtics. Mm-hmm head coach Alec another question in regards to where the Celtics stand and what this proposed format bracket does look like I would have to agree with you that the Celtics would be the odds-on favorite to beat the 76ers but then would have to go on to the way the format and bracket is to play either the Clippers or the Mavericks in my personal opinion it would be the Clippers do you think this matchup could necessarily hurt the Celtics as if um more or if they left the Eastern Conference the way it is, breaking up the Eastern Conference and Western Conference uh, the way it was to begin with. Because, again, if the season was to end today, I believe that the matchup that the Sixers would – the Celtics would have, excuse me, being the third seed would be the Sixers or the Pacers and then obviously have to play another Eastern Conference team. But going up a team, uh, in my personal opinion, a juggernaut in the Clippers in the second round, you know, uh, do you give your Celtics a, a good chance to beat them? I mean, the Celtics played them twice this year, took both games to overtime. Um, I think they split. So, I mean, they'll give them a fight, but at the end of the day, you know, they're really missing that switch defensive piece. You look at the the uh, L.A. Clippers. They're one of the most versatile teams in the league with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Marcus Morris. They're very physical in the paint with uh, Montrez Harrell, a pretty solid on-ball defenders. If you throw a Patrick Beverly uh, to match up against someone like – uh, Kemba Walker. So I think the Celtics would, you know, I think they definitely would a game. They'd maybe win a second, but they would not win the series. 
Uh, Milwaukee, I mean, not Milwaukee. The Clippers are way too tough. Now, if you talked about the original format, they'd play Toronto, who they don't really, they don't play well in Toronto. I think it'd be a very difficult series, even though I think the Celtics have a much better chance of beating the Raptors than they do beating a team like the Clippers. Uh, but if the Celtics played the Clippers, it'd be a, it'd be a battle. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, it's too much for this young Celtics team. No, I like, I would have to agree with you. And one last question before we let you go here. Uh, you kind of alluded to it a little bit uh, with some of your answers throughout this uh, throughout this phone call, throughout this uh, StreamYard edition in which we could have a nice uh, discussion and have a nice little, I guess you'd say, interview with you. But Boston Celtics' Enos Cantor recently came out and says that the team has championship mentality during this coronavirus shutdown and says that the Celtics can beat every team on the floor. Are the Celtics poised to win a championship this year? Hey, I mean – they proved to me they can beat any team in the league, but they are missing a few things that I need. Think championship teams need to have. Uh, they're also they don't have the deepest bench. Um, they're not the best shooting uh, team. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a great coach, uh, if you have good, if you have solid star players, if you can, you know, win games late. The Celtics have playoff experience. I mean, I, let's be real. I have no idea what Celtics team is going to show up. I have no idea what any team's going to show up because of how long we've had for a break. You never know. The Celtics could kick it off into full gear, destroy the Sixers, and look like the team that could be something. And the Clippers could come out slow, maybe struggle against the best. I have no idea what's going to happen. I like to think that the best team will still advance uh, because at the end of the day, it's a seven-game series. Um, in basketball, uh, the you know, Stars win. I do think, you know, some series may be tough at the beginning, but those teams will still take over. But the Celtics proved to me they can beat any team in the league. I just I think they're missing a few key pieces that may prevent them from doing it this year. But, you know, if Brad Stevens is the head coach of this team, Jason Tatum is the star player, they'll put up a fight. Um, I just don't see them getting past the Clippers or the Bucks in 2020. Alec, I personally like to thank you for joining us here on Review Preview tonight uh for taking time out of your day and joining us uh, we really do appreciate it alec wald of jdf sports ladies and gentlemen alec thank you hey no problem at all guys i really appreciate appreciate it uh go celtics um happy <laughs> that the knicks still suck and um fun not, nothing but the best for your knicks as they fight for that championship here in 2020 uh, you know what Walt? um always good talking to you really uh can't get enough of you uh, but I'm going to let you go now after that one. So goodbye. Peace uh, <laughs> boys. Thanks for having me. Later, right. No problem. Have a good one. Thanks, man. And that was Alec Walt of JDF Sports, ladies and gentlemen, joining us to talk some Boston Celtics. Guys, that was a great little uh, – that was a great segment that we had. Yeah. Alec had some great insights, some great uh, take on his Celtics team. Definitely. And uh, I really did have a good time talking with him. And hopefully we have him on soon once again once basketball starts to – uh, gain some more traction in the season or playoffs, whatever uh, resumes in the future. But definitely great talk with Alec Walt of JDF Sports, guys. All right. Now we're going to move into my Miami Heat. We're bringing in the red. <laughs> we we, we had to talk about it. We had to talk about your Miami Heat. We got to talk it. about them. Listen, they don't, they don't get enough credit. We got to talk about them a little, just a little bit. I'm not going to drag it on. I'm not going to pat my back. Whatever I'm not going to do any do, of that. Hey, you're the host. You can do whatever yeah. you want. Here, I'm right? surprised you aren't wearing one of their jerseys. Yeah. yeah the you know Vice City I'm thinking about it right now. I should have put one of the Vice Cities on. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. I wasn't even thinking about it. And if I wasn't hosting right now, I'd probably run to the closet in the back real quick and put one on, <laughs> but I'm not going to leave. We're going to talk about the Miami heat guys, the Miami heat, uh, 
where we left off with in March, uh, they stood at a 41 and 24 record, sit at fourth in the East. Fonz, thank you for making that little banner right there. Um, excellent work here on StreamYard by Fonz Falco, ladies and gentlemen. I try. Uh, so not much with the Miami Heat. You know, they're one of those teams that have been quiet throughout this entire uh, time. There's been a couple spurts of news, a couple little articles. Uh, and I've seen a few articles come out about them. Um, one of the more recent ones, it, obviously, I don't think it has any uh, chance of happening, but I've, I've read a couple articles in regards to Pat Riley might be a favorite to land the Knicks head coaching job. I just don't see that at this point in his career. Uh, I think he's got a great gig down in South Beach, and I don't think he's going to be leading that anytime soon. Uh, seeing some traction around a guy in Derek Jones Jr., uh, current dunk contest championship. No, but, sure. I throw it out there. <laughs> but uh, talking about him wanting to come back to Miami, him wanting to be here for the future, I definitely think he's a solid piece for them, bench piece. He's even started at some points within the season as players have gone down. Um, definitely would love to see him back. But some other news, guys. Um, so an NBA historian. Uh, wrote an article. His name is Curtis M. Martin. And Curtis Martin claims that Duncan Robinson Miami, of the Miami Heat has the chance to set the record for most threes in an NBA season, which is now held by Steph Curry at 402. Now, this got me a little excited. This got me a little excited. You know, not the Miami Heat, I, I, I don't look to get too excited. They They provide me with a lot of excitement. They've impressed me this year, even though I believe that when we predicted the NBA season and the standings, I predicted, I believe, that they were going to be the fourth seed in the East, which they are right now, either the fourth or five seed, which I predicted earlier this season. But they're the fourth seed right now, and they've been excellent, better than I ever could have dreamed of. You know, you have a guy in Kendrick Nunn coming from the G League. He's your starting point guard. They won, and, he, and he's been nothing short of fantastic. You have Tyler Hero who people got a lot of uh, hate for coming out in the draft. I'm going to be dead honest with you. I didn't necessarily like the pick because coming out of the draft, he was strictly a three-point shooter, and that's what he was known for when he played for Kentucky. And not that as a Heat fan, I knew that was their biggest weakness, but he personally, that was his biggest strength and really one of his only strengths to his game. That's what he had uh, when he played for Kentucky in college. And necessarily – a lot of times when you have a three-point game in college, it's a little more difficult for it to transition to the NBA, and that's something that I worried about when he was drafted. But if the draft was to be redrafted again, Tyler Hero would have been a top-five pick from what he's been showing out in the NBA. He's been nothing short of fantastic, nothing short of clutch, nothing short of amazing. He's transitioned extremely smoothly uh, throughout the season. Um, he did get hurt in February into March. And I think he played the last game about seven, 10 minutes against the Hornets, which was the last game that he played uh, before the season got postponed. Mm -hmm. um, but before that he was shooting, excuse me, he was shooting lights out basketball from the three point line. Great three point shooter, uh, great shooter in general was able to show the versatility and uh, different aspects of the game in which he had learned being able to drive to the paint and score that way as well as going for another uh, aspect of his game and gaining a mid-range jump shot. Uh, John Suggs coming at, us, uh, coming at us here in the chat. Giannis will be a free agent next year. Heard Miami's going hard for him. Also mm. heard they're looking to get in Blake Griffin next year. John, I would love. <laughs> I would love nothing more. 
nothing more for Pat Riley to have one last ride and get one legend for this team because I think Giannis on this team would, I, would be. Let, alone, let alone NBA Finals, I think they'd win the championship. Mm-hmm. I think they win the championship. I'll say it right now. And I'll say it over and over again if it happens. Fair argument. With that roster, the the question would be, you know, who you got to get rid of someone if you're going to give Giannis the max contract. I mean, you want to get to that. That's where it comes in, Fonzie, leading right into it. According to Barry Jackson, who covers the Miami Heat, um, what the news is is that if Bam Adebayo, who completely flipped around his game, I think he's – I think he could win most improved player of the year if – if they're still giving out awards through all this time of crisis, I think he'd be guaranteed, in my opinion, to win most improved player of the year the way he's performed. Definitely. Turned into an all-star. Uh, just been an unbelievable asset to this Miami Heat franchise. In fact, you know, we look at this Miami Heat team, we look at the Bucks, especially because they're the top of the East. Miami Heat, uh, the Bucks, I believe they have eight or nine losses on the season. I could be wrong. It's somewhere in that range. I don't believe they've hit double digits, and if they have, it's around 10 or 11. Loss on the season. The Miami Heat owned two of those losses for the Bucs. They had one early in the season, and they had one a little more, I don't want to say recently, but when the NBA was still in session, they had one, I believe, in the month of March and February or February. And Bam in this game was absolutely incredible. He held down Giannis to the point where Mike Budenholzer just had to wave the white flag and just give up on the game <laughs> and take Giannis out of the game because he just could not get absolutely anything going I believe when Bam was guarding him he had shot two of 11 from the field they were forcing Giannis to become a shooter which we know he is not he's uh he's more of a paint player obviously we know the extreme athletic freak that he is the dunker that he is that's where a lot of his points and efficiency comes from but Bam Adebayo single-handedly shut him down in this game the question is now Barry Jackson brought up a great point is that if Bam Adebayo does get an extension this season, this offseason, it would basically close the book, uh, the doors on Giannis Antetokounmpo coming to the Miami Heat in 2021. And that's where it becomes really tough. It becomes really tough for me as a fan of basketball, as a Heat fan, because I've seen what this young ascending star has become in Bam Adebayo in just his first year, in just his first year. But then you look at Giannis, and you look at Giannis, and you say, "Man, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Giannis is 24, 25 years old, something yeah. like that." Yep. Yeah, ridiculous. He yeah. has, he has the whole world in front of him. The whole world in front of him. He could be the face of the league. If not, he's already becoming slowly the face of the league as LeBron gets up there in age. As Kevin Durant, you know, he's kind of phased out of basketball because of this ACL injury. He's also up there in age. Um, James Harden, not really you know, the MVP that he is, the individual stat line that he is, that he that he's had, but not necessarily getting over the hump uh, in a Houston Rockets uniform. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, this guy is becoming the face of the NBA. He's becoming a generational type player. Um, you know, my personal opinion, the best foreign, foreign, foreign player ever is Dirk Nowitzki. I think Giannis easily has an opportunity to overcome that and easily become uh, the best international player to ever play in the NBA. No doubt. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to pass up on either of these guys. And I think no matter what decision that is made by Pat Riley, because that's who the decision will be come down to is these two guys, because we've seen that Giannis, you know, he's already spoken about, you know, uh, a sense of unhappiness with the Bucks. You know, 
if they're not succeeding to the fullest of extent, he may look to get out of Milwaukee um, and move his career somewhere else. But at the same time, yeah, bam, and it's just, it's really hard. And guys, I want to get your opinion on what, you know, you're Pat Riley in this case scenario. Do you give the young uprising star a contract extension and close the books on Giannis and the Nakupo and see where it goes with this team? Or do you risk it all? I don't want to say risk it all, but put all your chips in one pile and, and throw them at Giannis. What do you do in this standpoint? Well, uh, for me, I mean, like you said, Bam Adebayo played very well this season. Uh, definitely my pick for most improved player, unless I'm missing someone, but definitely a rising star in this league. And there's a lot of potential with him. But remember, this is the first time we're seeing him hit that stardom. We've seen Giannis yeah. been that star for three, four years, or like maybe the last three years, definitely. And it's only going to keep going up from here. We don't know what Bam yet. Normally, I would say keep the core you have because you drafted Bam. You can um, you have more leeway with the salary cap, whatever. Because if you drafted him, you have more. You can like give him extra money. It doesn't really affect like this. It's like a whole thing where if you, it's easier to retain your players. Yeah. But when you get, get a chance to have a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think you go. I think you go for it. I really do. And does that mean by maybe trying to convince Bam to stay for a lesser deal? Maybe will he do it? We don't know. Uh, there's also you eventually to look at other guys too. I know it's different, probably salaries too. Duncan Robinson, you got to worry about his contract because definitely yeah. there's a chance where he's going to um, want more money down the line. Kendrick Nunn, yeah. Tyler Hero. We saw them get rid of uh, Justice Winslow and yeah. uh, James Johnson getting rid of those contracts that kind of help out and eventually get those salaries. But you got you get one of those, you can't keep all those guys. But I mean, if it is for the risk of Giannis, well, not really risk. But like if it's for Giannis, then I would definitely take that chance. But you're building something really nicely right now. But it's 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 a very hard decision, I think, it, more than what people think. Because normally people are like, yeah, get Giannis. No, yeah, it's perfect. But to see what the Miami Heat have done this this entire year has been incredible. When you going the season, I I was wasn't sure if they were going to do that well, but they've been kind of exceeding my expectations. So really, I'm. It's a it's a lot more hard than you think because of the core that you built in Miami with that heat culture. Also, Jimmy Butler too, who I completely forgot about, but been the leader behind that heat culture they've been building. Russo on my take personally, I would try to get both guys. What Fonz was alluding to, ask Bam to take take somewhat of a cut. You're playing, you can pose it to him like this. You know, Bam, listen, we want you to stay in Miami. We love you. You've been great. Uh, we're thinking of bringing in Giannis. Um, you know, he's 25, 24 years old. He's a great guy. We think you would learn a lot from him, you know, as an inspirational player who you could, you know, possibly be or whatever. Form your um, game around potentially. Yeah. As he, as Bam himself is also a big athletic kind of freak, he moves would, very well for the size in, in which he stands at. Would you be cool with us giving you less money to get possibly Giannis you know we did draft you so we do like you here in the in in the heat uniform and the heat organization and stuff you know but to improve our team to improve your play for you to learn uh we want to go out to Giannis is there any way that you can possibly you know take a reduction uh and play with Giannis that's kind of how I would phrase it or like I would go about it because you you listen like Russo you brought up points this this team's like really good yeah and to then add Giannis, um, like Fonz was saying, yes, it might interfere with like your core guys. Um, 
but I give it a shot. I mean, worst thing Bam says is, listen, guys, I appreciate the thoughts, whatever, what I really want my money. Yep. You know what? That, that, what? That's probably the worst case scenario he's going to say. Um, yep. So that's how I would approach the situation. No, James, I would obviously listen a perfect world. I would have to completely agree with you. You know, as a Heat fan, I watched it firsthand for years upon years upon years. You know, Dwayne Wade, I don't know if you guys don't know this or not. Dwayne Wade, um, I think he's the best Miami Heat player of all time. I don't think that's even a question. You know, I'm not saying the best player to ever play for the Miami Heat, but the best player within their franchise and organization. You guys know he was never the highest paid player of the Miami Heat. He was never the highest paid player. I did not. I did not know that. He was never the highest paid player. He always took pay cuts. And, you know, obviously when LeBron and Chris Bosh came over, he took pay cuts. You know, even after LeBron left, LeBron left and Chris Bosh was the one to get the contract. It wasn't D Wade. And then we obviously saw what happened, I believe, in 2017 or 2018, where it just became enough at that point for D Wade. And he was like, listen, I've been taking enough pay cuts throughout my years. I've been taking, uh, less money to win championships and I love the rings that I have. I love what I've been able to accomplish as a player and what, you know, this is going to help me do. I'm going to be a hall of famer. I love the Miami heat organization, but you know, I'm tired of being disrespected. You know, I deserve my money as next, as much as the next man. And he left, he went to Chicago and, you know, fortunately uh, for my fandom, he winded up back in Miami to round out his career. And it was a, a beautiful sight to see and really happy that that's how he ended his career. Would have loved to see him there for all 16, 17 years of his career. But things don't always go that way. And for a young player, again, players know when their contract is up. And I'm not saying that doesn't necessarily spark something in their mind, but isn't it funny how we always see when a player's up for a contract year, they just play on an all-time whole another level because oh, they yeah. know that's a contract year? I'm yeah. not saying that's the same case scenario with Bam. <laughs> but this guy's been now with the Heat for now. This is his third or fourth year, and he's never showed anything like this before. Now, mm-hmm. was it because of the lack of development because of other players in the past that have been on the team? Maybe, probably, potentially. I can't argue it because I don't know. But what he's seen, what I've seen from him, at least this season, I don't think he's going to slow down. I'm going to hope that he's not going to slow down. And I'm going to hope that we could potentially, not we, the Miami Heat could get both. <laughs> but again, Fonz, I would have to agree with you. You know, it's it's tugging at my it's tugging at my heartstrings just being a fan. But you have to go for Giannis. You mm-hmm. have to because even listen, you lose out on Bam. You, you got Tyler. You got Kendrick Nunn. You got you got Giannis Antetokounmpo. You got Jimmy Butler. You know, and if there's some way miraculously that you could keep Kwan Dragic as a six man potentially, because I know he's also a free agent this offseason. If you could do that, I mean that's. That that's something special. That's mm-hmm. something that's scary. I don't care if you're a Western Conference team, you know, uh, building up in LA, whether you're the Lakers or Clippers. That's that's something scary and a sight to see in the NBA. That could be a dominant force for a very long time, and it's it, it'll probably be a risk that Pat Riley and the Heat organization will have to go in. But it's a risk that I think that almost 100 percent will pay off. You know, at first it'll be a little rough, but it, I believe it will pay off. And on that note, guys, that would that's going to do it for this Heat segment of the show. And we're going to round it off these last five minutes of the show. We're going to talk about the NHL because, yes, Fonz, the NHL is back. They are the only organization, uh, well, not only anymore, but at the time, they were the only organization who had uh, their ideas and plans of the future for this season set in stone. And 
uh, a plan and agreement of what was going to happen. So, guys, I'm going to read this to you right now. So the NHL Players Association voted to approve the league's proposal of a 2014 uh, a 2014 playoff. So they're jumping right into the playoffs. They're not having a regular season. So conference-based playoff format as a restart to the 2019-2020 season. The agreement does not involve a timetable for when hockey will return to play, but rather the format the league will adopt once that time comes. So, Fonz, if you could bring, uh, bring up the little banner uh, that you have for us in regards to the Eastern oh, Conference. Oh, you mean the top seeds? Then? The oh. top seed. The oh. top seed. Ooh, very, very I like nice. it. Very, very nice with the, uh, uh, what's it called, the clicker at the bottom. Yeah, the little, uh, yeah, the little ticker, the ticker for the playing ticker, game. Ticker at the bottom. Obviously, the uh, these the top seeds are the up there. Obviously, the one through four, easy. And the well, Russo go more into it on the playing games, but the playing games are at the bottom here. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, the top seeds in a sense would get a, I guess you'd say bye week. Um, I guess that's the correct terminology to use in this case scenario. And then, as we see on the ticker below, uh, the East playing game. So the Penguins would face off against the Canadians. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes would face off the Rangers. That could be an interesting matchup, considering how the Rangers ended off uh, their season or got their season postponed. They were really, really, really hot uh, going into March and potential uh, make a playoff run kind of force. Uh, the next team I'm going to get into, the New York Islanders, they face off against the Florida Panthers. That's right, James. That's right. That's right. That's a very good matchup in favor of the Islanders. Hopefully that does happen in their case scenario for their sake. Um, we know as fans, they were not playing up to the highest uh, level and once we would saw them earlier in the season. Um, as the new year 2020 rolled in around, it, it just wasn't looking like that same team. But hopefully yeah. with some health, uh, yes, recently we got some Adam, key players back. Adam Pellick coming back. Um, Johnny Boychuk, obviously we saw him go down. He was one of our key defensemen. He will probably be back as well. That would be key. And then the Maple Leafs going up against the Blue Jackets. Uh, John Suggs, you know, man, this is, we've gotten through two, almost two hours of content. This is one of, this is one of the least liked comments that I've seen come up on the speed. Yeah. Florida going to win over the Islanders. I just don't feel it. You know, the Islanders have oh, been, man. the Islanders, nope. the Islanders have been, I believe three and this season against the Florida Panthers. Um, they just have not been a good team. They, they acquired, uh, Bob Brofsky in the off season, a goalie. He has not been that same. Columbus Blue Jackets, Bobrovsky, that we've seen, I believe he has a 900 save percentage. It hasn't been up to that level that we've seen from him in the past, and that could be because of the line out in front of him def- defense-wise, as well as putting up offensive numbers from the offensive stand uh, standpoint, goal-wise. But, guys, I like this. I like this a lot by the NHL. You know, at the end of the day, why do we need to see teams that had no chance of making the plus? Why do we need to resume into uh, – a season that meant nothing to some of these teams. And James, you alluded to last night on the phone call, you brought up an excellent point. You know, some of these teams that made it in weren't in to begin with. You know, you look at the NBA and most of these teams that were in the playoffs, um, that were in the playoffs, were already going to get a playoff berth to begin with. With the NHL, you look at a team like the Islanders and the Rangers, they weren't, they were kind of out of it, but because they were on the cusp of getting into it, I guess in a sense, the NHL gave them um, a chance and allowed for this playoff format that I think is really good. I think it's really good. And I think it's going to be very, very exciting to watch hockey come back. I believe, I want to say sometime in July. I know they don't have a set date, but I think, that's right, James. Let's go Islanders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, it's uh, mid-July, Russo, I, I, I want to say. 
But a mid-July comeback, you know, it's definitely something to look very much forward to as we have been uh, deprived of any type of sport for a long time. I, I shouldn't say that soccer has been back. I know that NASCAR came back as well. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily my forte. Uh, um, Russo, but, I just want to uh, – soccer over um, in England and over the pond. Of course. Go. Um, not in the U.S. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's what I meant. Uh, that's what I meant to say. I believe the the Premier League, I believe it is, has gone back into, uh, I guess you'd say session or gone about their league and gone about their games the way they're handling it. Um, I don't know the case scenario regarding their country uh, and what uh, they're going through right now, the magnitude, the level of coronavirus in which their country is suffering through. But obviously in the U.S., um, it's a little, I, I guess you'd say, stronger or more cases that we've seen develop over the course of the last two months, uh, now starting to calm down a little bit. Hopefully calms down completely by the month of uh, July, hopefully as we enter in the new month of June. But definitely something to look forward to, guys. Definitely, you know, you know, this is, you know, even if you don't, if hockey isn't your, isn't your first option, this is definitely something, definitely something exciting to watch, a playoff atmosphere. Both New York teams are in this. Uh, definitely something to look forward to. Definitely something to look forward to. But guys, any any final words before I wrap it up, real quick? I'm glad that we're getting uh, the sports back. It's a good. I mean, MLB and other leagues take notice. I mean, at least the NHL, while they didn't say that you know we're playing, they just have an idea. Like, hey, listen, when we come back, we have a format. So that way, when they do come back, they can go right away. It's not like a thing where they go and they have to wait a week or two to figure out what's going on. I'm glad this is what the NBA should do at least. At least figure out a scenario first and then eventually go, okay, when now when do we start playing? Because now it makes things a lot smoother. Now fans definitely get excited for this for all for all these matchups too. And it's a good, like I said, with the NBA with the one to sixteen seed. It's a way to, you know, test things out. Cause you know, it's kind of a crazy season. Why not try all these things out? I know probably a lot of hockey fans were saying, let's change up the formats, let's do like play in games and have like the top four teams get by or whatnot. So it's a good it's a good format, I think. I'd have to agree, James. Any last words? Definitely looking forward to what hockey has to bring us with what NBA has to bring us, uh, you know, jumping right into the playoff atmosphere. Hopefully MLB kind of takes note on what these other two, uh, you know, um, I'm blanking on words. I don't know why. Other other two leagues are doing that uh, MLB kind of gets the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, Russo, I also love the lights tonight behind you. Uh, Listen, I thought it brought a nice little flair aspect. Definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to uh, keeping it around in the future, using it as a part. Uh, I guess you say prop, little addition to my lighting scheme here at my quarantine studio uh, here at home. But um, guys, on that note, you know, it was a great show, successful show, went very smoothly. Yep. Had a great phone call, great discussion, great debate, great segments. And on that, guy, on that note, guys, um, everybody, thank you for w- tuning into Review and Preview. Make sure to tune in next week. Quick little preview of next week. We're going to have Fonz match up against Tom Scavetta. Tom will be back, ladies and gentlemen, up against. We're going to have a little sports trivia, another session. I, you guys tuned in last week. You saw me match up against James. Excellent, excellent little competition that we had between the two of us. Some great questions asked. Uh, category is going to consist of some um, going to consist of some Ravens, obviously, for Tom, some Giants for Fonz. We're going to go some Mets. We're going to, you guys are both Mets fans. We're going to throw some Mets history at you guys. Um, me and James are going to prep some questions throughout the week. Oh, yeah. uh, a little bit of a change up in categories. You guys had a general NFL uh, question category. 
Um, we're going to have a Knicks category for you guys uh, that we're going to be asking you guys some questions upon in regards to 2000 to present uh, and what the Knicks have done these past 20 years. So it's definitely going to be fun. Make sure to tune in here on Facebook Live. Review and preview. Make sure to go follow us on our Instagram page at Review and Preview. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've all enjoyed because I know I have. Thank you all for tuning in and have a very good night.